Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Hello, folks, and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And you can uh, also find the topics to tonight's show on our website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and check out our newsroom page. And you can even just uh, subscribe to the page to get email updates on the each week on the different articles that will be posted there. Now, I tell you what, we have uh, quite the exciting week. <laughs> Man, I mean, I know every week you've been here, oh, oh there's a lot to talk about, but this, this one takes the cake. I'm even saying that I do not think uh, that we will have time to, to cover everything uh, tonight. There's just, there's just so much out there to discuss. Of course, uh, one of our main topics tonight is, of course, you probably heard by now uh, that, and I won't even mention his name here, uh, because I'm kind of of the mind of the people who do such things uh, as Kate Steinle's uh, killer uh, and, and those who you know do all these you know mass shootings and killings and things of that nature. One of the things I think that promulgates it, maybe not as much uh, in the case as uh, Kate Steinle, but certainly I believe in the mass shootings is the more it's sensationalized and you put the people's name out there and their picture out there, I think that only hurts the cause of trying to stop it because people are like, you know what, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to be famous for a little while. And I say if we just call him the shooter or the killer or the scumbag or whatever, I think that would uh, better serve our purposes of trying to curtail these things uh, from happening again by not having uh, their face and their na- even their name put up there. I mean, I know, oh, well, it's investigations, and, you know, we got to talk this person that, and people want to know. It's like, well, if you want to keep these things from happening, I really think that, or at least, as I said, curtail uh, these, uh, quit sensationalizing it uh, in the media. I mean, I know they want to do it as a purpose, but, you know, yeah, certainly talk about the victims and, and give the names of the victims because those are the ones that should be, in my opinion, highlighted, uh, them and their lives, not the wacko who decided to, to kill kill people. That Those people should be forgotten as, a, as if they have not existed, uh, in my opinion. Uh, they can be, uh, in my opinion, referred to uh, when it comes to – to it, but I, I don't think that they should, you know, have their name out there and talked about for days, weeks, months, even years to come. But that being said, then you won't hear me mentioning 
uh, his name on the show. But anyway, for the scumbag, as I'll call him, I'm sure there will be other names, uh, got acquitted. Of course, this is in California, I believe San Francisco, namely, uh, decided to acquit him on all charges except possession of a firearm, uh, uh, you know, a criminal or something being uh, in possession of a firearm, which his attorney, which it gives you a maximum of a three-year sentence from my understanding. So he to kill somebody, and he may get three years in prison, if that. However, there, I mean, there are other charges that are being sent or being, he's being charged with, so his troubles may, hopefully, or not. And, and for the thought of yeah, you know, I mean, it said, "Oh, we'll deport him." Is preposterous. I mean, come on, you idiots! You deported this guy five times, and he came back. I mean, he should have. I tell. But anyway, so you know, if you may or now, you probably do. You know, he was uh, first degree murder acquitted, second degree murder acquitted, involuntary manslaughter. Which, looking at some of the information on the case, uh, even involuntary manslaughter. Uh, he was acquitted for because I think one of his arguments was, oh, well, he just found this uh, gun inside a trash bag, not knowing it was a gun. Yeah, right. Uh, well, supposedly not known because the gun cause it was admittedly on drugs. You know, I, I think he said sleeping pills and marijuana. Um, and so admittedly that – and so acquitted. Now, of course, this is California. And I'm hoping we hear uh, from our dear friend Kelly tonight, who resides in California, lived there, I believe, for many years. So I'd definitely like to get his take on that. Uh, yeah, but of course, this is California. Am I surprised that this guy got acquitted? Absolutely not. Am I shocked? Shocked in that, in the you know, preposterousness of it, uh, that shocked. Am I pissed off? I'm certainly pissed off about it. Excuse my French. Normally I save that talk for Bard's Logic After Dark later on in the show. Uh, but, man, when I see him, that guy, you know, and then when they talk about deporting him again, I think it's absolutely uh, absolutely insane. Uh, so, you know, as I said, there's, there's some other uh, folks out there looking to put some other charges on him. So perhaps his time's not, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's not done with troubles yet. And let me tell you something, and I won't go into grave detail, but if I – I mean I've seen in an interview with that father. He was way more uh, with it than I probably would have been. Cause let me tell you this, is that – I mean, and she died in his arm, you know. I mean, to my understanding, you know, she was like, you know, don't let me die or something like that. You know, I don't know the direct quote, but I think that's what she said. Could you imagine? Can you imagine having your little girl, your daughter – I mean, she was an adult, but she's always going to be your little girl. Could you imagine having her in your arms, you know, pleading for her life, basically, save me, Dad, or whatever? Could you imagine that? And then this bastard gets off, you know, gets off, gets acquitted of this. Let me tell you something. If I was that father, let me tell you. Well, uh, you know what? I, let me tell you that I would, let's just say justice would be taken into my own hands, you know, one way or another. Because I tell you what, that I, I could not abide by that. That what that's that's unreal. So I mean, will there be you know justice for Kate? Uh, we'll see. Uh, frankly, uh, my hope is he gets in jail, and somebody who's already on a life sentence says, you know what, no skin off my back, if you know what I mean. But this guy does this human debris, and then his lawyer, 
you know, I mean, yeah, I guess someone has to defend defend him. Uh, but then the guy gets, you know, acquitted. Uh, I mean, and then I mean, it does uh, for possessing a firearm or something like that, and they want to appeal it, you know. And then, of course, there's talk about since that that, that the prosecutor didn't seem all that upset about the verdict. Like, well, you know, we respect the jury's decision. We're not happy about it. Oh, well, you know, how how much, uh, you know, vested invested was this prosecutor in actually uh, prosecuting and having a successful case and winning? The case. Uh, I'm thinking perhaps not that that vested in it. So of course that's one of the things uh, we'll talk about. And you know, people on the line, you are welcome uh, to push the one in the number dial, and we'll get you in. And Carolyn, uh, welcome. Yes, welcome back, Carolyn, in the uh, in the chat. And uh, it is good to have you back. Uh, wow, traveling for the month of November. I like to hear about your travels. Um, and yeah, good question, Carolyn. Who is paying uh, for the uh, for the court costs, and yeah, that's that, that's a very good question. We'll uh, we'll have to look into that. Cause I'll be honest with you, Carolyn, I do not know, uh, and I do see uh, we I do got someone in. I probably won't have any time for any call screening right now, but also I'll just get you in. You'll hear when your mic's open because I'll do the last probably just the last four digits of your phone number and let you know that you're going to be coming in. You can just give us your name. Uh, and we'll get your comments, but the, uh, and we'll, we'll get you in shortly. Of course, we're also going to talk about uh, tonight. I have plans for people talking about. I'm not going to give this away what uh, Operation uh, Mockingbird is, but that has something to do uh, with media manipulation. At least that's what I'll call it. And then, of course, the last part, uh, what's well, not last part, but we'll also talk about, of course, updates uh, where I titled tonight One More Week, uh, of course, referring to Roy Moore uh, in less than a week, actually, will be his election. Uh, it looks like the GOP, national GOP, is back on board. I think what really helped them out uh, is – and I do have an article here as well, speaking of Roy Moore, I believe, uh, who he's you know, made some comments uh, you know, about the uh, Kate Stanley verdict, uh, you know, of course referring also to uh, Doug Jones and his lack thereof. Uh, and so we'll definitely – I talked about that, but, you know, what will Alabama do? I think the guy's going to get voted in. I think the thing that really did it, and we had the audio, I think, last week uh, to um, – oh, what is her name? I'm, now I'm having a brain freeze. But uh, last week when they were talk, we were talking about that yearbook and that they won't give it to a third party, I think that's telling. I think once they decided, yeah, we're not going to do that, we discussed that about the two different inks and things of that nature – on his supposed uh, signature, uh, that, that that's kind of gone away, if you've noticed. So I, I do think that he's going to come back and he's going to be victorious. And I think uh, the uh, globalist Republicans, and I believe Mitch McConnell was one of them, uh, I think they read the writing on the wall and like, yeah, I don't think we're going to win this one, guys. And <laughs> thanks, thank you, Trump. <laughs> you know, I mean – uh, I think you know his, his support and the the people not losing their support for Roy Moore. I really, uh, you know, when I see things like that, and if Roy Moore does win, it is going to give me uh, some hope that we may possibly be able to, to get this uh, cesspool. Uh, uh, as uh, it, it's been said, I mean, uh, you know, instead of a, a, a swamp, because the swamp does have some, you know, ecological value. Uh, but yeah, cesspool. It's been better said. Uh, 
uh, it does give me some hope. And, of course, moving into 2008 here, folks, it's going to be right down the corner. Uh, we're going to uh, – wow, it's going to be a tremendous year. Uh, now let's – and we're also going to talk about other things, of course. You know, we – you know, Obamacare, how it came into being, how it perhaps it isn't even legal. And, of course, we're also going to talk about uh, a new develop. I wasn't planning on – I didn't plan on talking about this tonight. Uh, but Jerusalem may be a new site. There's a new site for the U.S. Embassy. And, of course, what does that mean uh, with the peace talks, uh, the Palestinian peace talks? I, know, I, I, do got, I believe I got a, a really good article that kind of explains that as well um, and how that actually may help, uh, may help Palestinian, uh, the Palestinian peace talks. We'll, we'll hopefully get to that. It's only a three-hour show. And since I've taken up the first 13 minutes of it, let's go ahead and bring it uh, to you folks because that's what Bart's Logic's all about. So 5630, I've got your line open. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, how you doing? Uh, this is Tom, by the way, calling in. Oh, yeah, great. Well, welcome, Tom. Uh, how are you tonight? I'm fine, thank you. I see you got a, a, a full table over there of uh, issues to discuss. And uh, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if you want to start with that last one real quick, the uh, Jerusalem uh, notation uh, by uh, Donald Trump, that's actually what he's doing, actually, is what all the other presidents since 1995 failed to do. That's all he's doing. Everyone's making a big stink about this. But Congress passed the, I believe it was called the uh, Jerusalem Embassy Act, in 1995, which merely meant that we were going to put our embassy in Jerusalem. And all the other presidents, cowards that they were, and cowards that they probably still are, refused to do it, failed to do it. They failed to upheld the law passed by Congress. So this president that, for some reason, everyone doesn't like because he's acting presidential, you know, on, you know, which they never were able to do, said, well, the law's out there. This act was passed by Congress in 1995. So I'm going to enforce it. And that's all he's doing. And everybody's running around now pulling their hair or their, to- or their toupees off, whichever comes first. He's running around saying, oh, this is going to start a war. And, you know, and that's so far from the truth. He's just enacting an act that the other presidents before him failed to do because they lacked the leadership. Well, and, and Trump, well, and remember, Trump said, uh, and I don't know what context he said it or you know, which speech he was doing, or maybe even if it's his inaugural, to be honest, I can't remember, shameful enough for me to say that. Uh, but uh, Trump, he, want, he wants to succeed, as you pointed out, and I think this is part of it, he wants to succeed where other presidents have failed. And I don't care if it's because of his ego or not. I really don't. As long as, you know, but, he, but here's the thing. He wants peace between, finally peace between Israel and Palestine. I mean, he wants, to, you know, he wants that. And if he gives this to you know Israel, it's 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 a bargaining piece. You know it's a bargaining piece, so that you can say, look, you guys been wanting this for a long time. Now you know let's bring you know we're going to bring it to the table, and then let's go ahead and talk peace with Palestine. But then he can go to Palestine and say, hey, look, they're right on your you know they're moving east. You know if you don't you know sign these peace accords or whatever peace they want to do. They're just going to move in Jerusalem. They're just going to move east, and you know there's going to be even more settlements. So you pretty much got to do this, or it's, you know they're just going to you know t- you know take more you know or move more in that direction. Uh, now that's loosely said. You know could 
understand to, to get more details. And, you know, I, as I said, I, I got more on that, an, an article I found for that as well. But I th- that's what I think. I mean, I really think that sums it up on what he's doing it for twofold. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying about 1995. But I think he's also trying to going to use that as a bargaining chip for, you know, for the for the peace talks later. I mean, would, that, would you think that would make sense? Uh, it would make sense if you had amicable people sitting at the peace table. As you well know, in all these various uh, peace talks they've had, Palestine refuses and still refuses yeah. to recognize the state of Israel. They said that many times. They've even said that uh, when they got up from the table during peace talks. And and then, they, then they'll turn right, right around and say that they want the absolute destruction of Israel. Now, I'm not saying Israel is the total angel in this whole thing, but how can you sit down and negotiate with somebody who's steadfast on refusing to recognize the state of Israel, and then when they hit, go up in front of a microphone, they're going around saying that they wish the total destruction of Israel. There's, I don't, you know, it doesn't make a difference to me where we put our embassy or what, because I, I don't know why people refuse to uh, put the embassy in Jerusalem before, but this has, this is just an excuse for vile, angry people known as Palestinians to continue doing what they're doing. I don't see this as being anything as an excuse for them to point the finger at Israel once again and try to make it look like all the fault is theirs. These are, these are some seriously angry people. They've been nomads for hundreds of years. They've been kicked out of every country around there. And now they're trying to get a piece of real estate for themselves, but they don't want to do it within any peaceful means. It's a sad situation. Unfortunately, I don't think anything is going to come of it in the way of peace. I think, unfortunately, because of their own personal positions with Israel, there'll have to be another war. That's what uh, I feel. Well, I hope you're wrong with that, Tom. But I don't. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you make a good point. I mean, you would hope they'd be able to. I mean, but my, if they just want their own land, I mean, if if, if Trump brings it to the table and says, "Hey, here it is. You know, we we can create a Palestinian state." And well, but there's already you know, the state of Israel, but they have to. But you know, you got to recognize it, or maybe even at least have one of your you know representative, you know, high up there, of course. You know, say that okay, yeah, we recognize the state of Israel. Then you can, hey, you can have your land done. But yeah, I mean, it's cooler heads, cooler heads will not prevail probably, because uh, I mean, this has been going on for well, hun- you know, well, not hundreds of years, well, you know, because hundreds of years, but with other countries, they've been nomads. The, the, the well, history. Their history reflects that they've been nomads traveling around. If memory serves, I think at one time in history they were kicked out of Jordan. You know, I mean, they're nomads, and but they're they're using they're using once again religious perspective and everything as a and I don't know if it's an effective tool, but it's a hurtful tool to try to make it look like you know Israel's the bad guy here. And what set these? And this is what people should be more upset about. Instead of this uh, embassy in Jerusalem, they should be upset when Barack Obama went up to the microphone, and he said that uh, Israel should give all land back uh, prior to the 1967 war, which is so ridiculous and so idiotic that it, you know no president should be saying stuff like that. But that's what he wanted to do. What was 
Barack Obama's next position. We should give everything back to Great Britain after because of the Revolutionary War. I mean, it's it, this is a ridiculous concept. But that's what really set peace talks back was when uh, Barack Obama said that, and and then uh, Israel didn't want to even talk about anything after that. You know, I know there was a time where and I don't know all, all the specifics of it, but you know, I think they got like. 89, 90% of what they're asking for, you know, and, uh, Netanyahu was like, you know, said, okay, well, you know, but they're like, no, no, as you, as you stated, Tom, they, they walked away from the table. Like, you know, you, you complain, you want, you know, you, you want, you know, peace, you want your own land, but then when it's, it's put in front of you and you don't accept that it, it does, it, it certainly uh, puts to question what their true motives are. Well, and that's exactly it. That that I think this is merely a disguise. They want to fuel the anger. They want to recruit some of the other um, Muslim states in that area to once again try to take down Israel, like they tried to do before. You know, and uh, it failed before, and I suspect it will fail again because Israel is not one to sit there and play, uh, you know, with political words. You know, they will take you down first, and then they'll say, let's talk. And that's the difference between their type of uh, political positioning as opposed to what we do in this country. All we want to do is talk, 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 and meanwhile, your enemy gets stronger. Israel doesn't allow for that because, you know, their experiences in the past show they can't afford to do that. They're, they're, they're surrounded by their enemy. If you look at the map, on they're literally surrounded by their enemy, no matter which way they turn. So they have to be more forceful. But it's so difficult to sit down and negotiate with somebody who is not willing to really negotiate. And thus, this is why uh, Palestine is where they are right now. But you think that they'll be, you know, you think with this move, and then the, I think there's a threat of them, you know, because uh, there's Eastern and West Jerusalem. And from my understanding, it's the threat of them moving more towards, I think it's the east, you know, taking more lands is, what, is what's going to be on the table with us moving our embassy. You know, at least a precursor, you know, us moving the embassy is a precursor to that. Um, well, yeah, it's, say, it's Look, symbolic. I mean, if you don't want this to happen, point. you guys need to sit down at the table. Yeah, well, some people are saying this will set back negotiations or peace talks. I didn't even know there was any real peace talks. Quite frankly, we all know that, but it's just nobody wants to profile uh, Palestine for what they really are. So in my mind, there's never really been peace talks. It's just been all this political positioning that they want, and it's all about power and, and the severe hate they have for Israel. But this is symbolic, and, and it's, it's really, in my mind, it's really nothing. They're going to try to make it something, once again, to recruit more people uh, to hate Israel. But this is symbolic. This only has to do with our embassy. We're changing the location of the embassy, I believe, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And right. even that's not going to happen overnight. It'll take a couple years at least before that, that, that happens. Uh, I don't know. You know what? They, they, they did give a timeline. On how long, but I mean, it didn't sound like it was that long of a timeline. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, really, I mean, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they said it was going to take that long. I don't know if it's even years uh, before that happens. Uh, I don't know why I'm thinking six months. I can't imagine it being done in six months. Uh, however, maybe it was six months. Maybe when I was reading about DACA, you know, <laughs> maybe that, that's where the six months probably comes from. What I'm thinking is. 
Uh, I was reading about DACA today, too. And, of course, uh, a lot of folks bring it back to the uh, Stanley real quick are concerned that, you know, what happened, you know, with this new verdict coming in, it's uh, going to galvanize some more people, you know, against the dreamers and against, you know, trying to do something with DACA, uh, which, you know, what well, I'm not a fan of DACA anyway. I mean, you know, especially, you know, there's a, a lot that and the lottery system. We don't know about that. Uh, I'm just not a fan. And, and, and there's just so much that, you know, that goes into that. And I think their time's even running out on that. But anyway, uh, perhaps we'll go back to that. But, you know, as with Israel, and I, John, I do see on the line, we'll get you in shortly. Uh, and so, you know, with, you, with the nomads that you're talking about, I mean, so, uh, I don't know. I, I guess it just get, gave me some hope, at least, that you know there's going to be some kind of peace talks. But I didn't even consider, and, and you're right, you know, with, with the history, um, you know, about them. I, I mean, my thing is, and I've said this many times in other shows, and after this I'll get you in, John, is that you know I, I, I would real, I was really hoping with with Trump because he's so different than any other politician I've seen in at least the past 30 years, uh, is that things are actually going to get done, so we don't got to talk about him anymore. I'm tired of hearing. I mean, we, we've been talking about, you know, for decades, you know, you know, this peace between Palestinian and Israel and, Israel, you know, the Islamic State. No, Islamic, you know, not Islamic State. I'm sorry. You know, Israel's own state and the Palestinian state. I mean, I was hoping, yes, just be one thing that's off the table and then let's get the immigration thing off the table. But, you know, it's, I'm, I'm hoping still, even after your comments, that we'll be able to see something. But. Who knows? Let's go ahead and bring in uh, John. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine, Robert. Thank you very much. Um, I got a couple of questions. I think um, Tom probably knows more about this than definitely me, for sure. But I mean, anybody that I know on the phone right now. But um, Tom, when was it? What was it? The British owned all that land, and then the Balfour Declaration actually gave. Israel much, 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 much more land than what they have today. And I got another follow-up after that. You might be asking the wrong person. <laughs> oh, is that right? I just thought you sounded like you knew more about this. And I I heard about a Balfour Declaration Agreement back, I don't remember when it was. I thought it was like back in the 1950s or something like that when British actually had possession of all the land and they did some kind of deal and uh, Israel bought the land and they had tons more land including all the West Bank and Gaza and all up to um, the Syria border and now they've given up so much more land and now you know because of the 1967 thing and a number of other stuff that happened and now they're being asked to give up more and then the Palestinian people you know are able to stay on the yeah i don't remember if it, which bank it was i think gaza they're in there now able to co-mingle so i didn't know if you knew about that and i don't know that much about it so i thought it was a question that needed to be asked i wanted to know but the other aspect and i agree with you what in the world is us you you know moving our u.s embassy from tel aviv to jerusalem have anything to do with the peace talks and wise people i don't get that i, I don't there's something i don't understand there i'm like we're just moving our embassy from one city or town to another one so how's that 
you know, that, that's this Palestinian deal or peace talks thing. I don't get it. Well, it's just going to be an instrument for agitation it, for those who never want peace and they want the total destruction of Israel. This will just be used as another instrument to agitate people and hopefully recruit more people on their side of the fence. And, and it's a sad commentary, you know, but maybe and, but that shows the cowardice of past presidents because they should have enacted this a long time ago. They were afraid to be the one to take that position. And that's one of the major differences between Trump and, and past presidents. He will come right out in your face and tell you what he's going to do, as opposed to these guys getting in the back room and whispering, you know, that they really don't want to do it because they don't want to be the president you know, who, you know, who it may damage their legacy. If you notice, every president, all he's interested about is his legacy and where he's going to build his library when, when his uh, term is over. That's all they <laughs> yeah. care about. And, and, and that's what this is about, too. But one thing you did say, uh, the Palestinian people, a lot of them work. In in Israel, and they and they, you know, they got to just show ID, cross into what appears to be some sort of border, and they work there and everything. A lot of them are happy. It's the agitators. Every a lot of people think it's it's all uh, uh, the Palestine people, but it isn't. You know, a lot of them are given uh, freedoms to work in uh, in Israel and such. But you got your agitators who just don't want that. You know, and uh, and you made another good point there when you said. How many concessions Israel's made over the years? Like I said, I don't really follow this that much. I got frustrated years and years ago when I heard all the hundreds of millions of dollars we give them every year, you know, for the last, you know, 50, 60 years. We could have probably uh, balanced our budget with all the money we've given Israel. And it's time for America at some point to throw their hands up and say, hey, enough already. Let's get something finalized here. You know, because we've supported Israel to the point that you know, I can't imagine how many sacrifices uh, people throughout this country have had to do unknowingly because they didn't get a return of their tax dollars because we've been sending millions of dollars to Israel. And that's not an exaggeration. I remember, I think at one time it was like, and this is like maybe 30, 35 years ago, we were giving them like $100 million a week. And it's just pure insanity what we're doing over there. This has got to stop. And yeah, but once again, you know, going back to that particular point of the uh, the embassy, it really has nothing to do with anything. It's just a point that people will use to try to agitate others and emphasize that they're the good guys and Israel's the bad guy. But what point are they making? I mean, what point are they drawing? I mean, we'll I have to see. There's just. This event just turned. We'll have to see what's going to happen. You know, well, I wouldn't I mean, be surprised if uh, suddenly there's rockets uh, from, you know, Hamas is putting rockets out there again, you know, and starting this thing all over again in some what would appear to be some form of retaliation because now they feel they're going to be further oppressed. You know, well, so it, I, it, it would not surprise you. Like it, rage or days of rage or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be another one of those, oh, here we go again scenarios. And this has been going on for so long, I'm sure there's a lot of frustrated, angry Americans who said, enough already. we got our own problems here. we got our own issues. We need our tax dollars here in America. And and, as it comes to a point, like, how high is up? You know, when do we stop? You know, and, and I understand strategically the position Israel's in. And and it's really bad, you know. And should we ever totally back away, then all the Arab nations surrounding Israel will, will they'll just 
eliminate the whole thing, and and it'll go down in history as a sad, sad affair, you know, if that happens. And I, we got to be on the alert, and probably that's the only reason why Israel exists today because we're their friend, you know. But uh, it comes oh, yeah, to a point like. Certain. Well, and, and now they're well, and now with Trump doing this, I mean, really showed has shown the rest of the world, you know, that hey, we're we're behind these guys. We 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 support Israel more so than our, you know, the other presidents, especially the most previous ones. And real quick, well, uh, I, I got to tell you, when, uh... real, real 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 quick, Tom, uh, real quick as a programming note, uh, I did find uh, something on Wikipedia, uh, be that as it may, but um, at uh, the the Balfour Declaration, and let me tell you something. I was going to read some excerpts from it for you, John. There's no way in hell that thing is a lengthy excerpt. <laughs> and I'm not excerpt, but that's 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 a lengthy uh, uh, post there on Wikipedia about that. So what I did is I uh, supplied a link uh, to the Wikipedia. And I mean, there's other things you can go to, I'm sure, but I just like how it's got a lot of different links and stuff, you know, in the actual thing. Um, but anyway, you can find uh, a link to that at the Barge Logic Political Talks uh, page there on Facebook. So if you want to check that out, uh, go to your search engine and just put in Barge Logic Political Talk. Uh, it's on there on Facebook. Uh, get to the page. You, you'll you get the link. And while you're there, uh, I'd be appreciative if you went ahead and liked the page. It's, you know, look at all the – there's links there to the different shows that we have. But anyway, plug the, the, <laughs> the Facebook too long. Uh, but go ahead, Tom. I just want to put that out there and let people know that we we do have a link to that uh, uh, to the you know the information on that Balfour uh, resolution. Go ahead. No, I understand, and I, I think you know my relationship with Facebook. I I believe we discussed that yeah. at one point. You know, so me and Facebook are not friends by any stretch of the imagination. So, but uh, back to the Israel thing. I I feel right now. Just to sort of close out on the subject, if you don't mind, it's a wait and see. We just have to sit here and wait and see what they're going to I'm sure they're sitting behind closed doors or in secret areas right now uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do to retaliate against America and to retaliate against Israel. So it's a wait and oh, see. Sure. But, but in my mind, there's no way in the world would I point the finger at Donald Trump and blame him because this was an act that was gathering dust. <laughs> You know, it's been gathering dust for 22 years because other presidents just were unable to be presidential. So now he took this position. Everyone's freaking out. So, you know, but uh, it's really wait and see what's going to happen. Hey, Robert. Yes. Also, also, just within the last few days, the Congress with the president um, worked on a bill called H.R. 1164, pay to slaves, called the Taylor Force Act to um, question the Palestinian Authority and the $300 million we send them every year as our means of saying, hey, look, if you don't stop all these terror killings and bombings on Israelis and other people that, you know, get caught up in that, then we're going to stop funding you the $300 million we've been giving you. That's another issue that I don't know if it ties in because it was just within the last few days. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hold uh, my breath. Rand Paul was real big on not sending uh, all that foreign, all that money to foreign countries. Go ahead, Tom. No, I was going to say I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Somebody's, somebody's. Uh, I don't know, uh, John. Was that a resolution or an actual bill that was passed? 
Um, well, it's a pay-to-slay bill, H.R. 1164, and it, as far as I understand, it's an actual bill, but I don't know the details. I get it's It gets convoluted when you're trying to follow these guys. I think it's more a dog-and-pony show for television yeah. on these bands. <laughs> It, it is, and it, hel- and it helps people, and it helps congressmen and senators in the next election to say, "Oh yeah, look what we did. We passed the bill." Of course, they don't tell you that. We don't know what happened to it. We just passed it. You know, we don't know if somebody's using it now to wipe a coffee stain off the table. You know, so this is all smoke and mirrors from our illustrious do-nothing, uh, you know, legislators. And I mean, you know, they've been going around screaming, "How are we going to get the uh, money to build a wall for Mexico?" Well, stop giving them the money we're giving them. We give them, I think, over $500 million a year, at the very least, not to mention how we aid their, quote-unquote, Mexican military, and I don't know who those guys are, but, you know, we aid them in their military, and we give them at least $500 million. You want to build a wall? Stop giving the $500 million to Mexico and use that money to build a wall. You know, and then, and you know, I, that's one of the first things I know I would have done if I was over there hanging out in the White House. I'd be looking at all the money we're giving to. We give money to Saudi Arabia. They're, they're multi-billionaires, trillionaires right. probably, and we, we and we give money to them. And this stuff is pure insanity. You know, I, I I'm telling you, we could get rid of our deficit probably within one or two years by stopping to give all this money to all these other countries. It's and this has been going on for years and years, you know, and and, and we just let it happen. It's, it's it's pure insanity. Maybe it's protection money. Well, it might be. Well, I, well, it might I know, be. Well, I know you're 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 not actually too far from what uh, many think is the truth, there, John, because a lot of people saying, you know, well, that, that's what they that's what they say. I had some a guy argue welfare is protection money. It's basically. Uh, Keeping people, you know, out of the streets, rioting and looting and, and stealing, you know, from shops. So, you know, it's actually more cost effective uh, to get, you know, give people welfare than it is, you know, so you keep them from literally robbery. <laughs> it's terrible. To yeah, Bob, that, but one question I got to say. One explanation uh, I was given. Yeah, Robert, the one thing I got to say to that as a follow-up is how is that working out for America? Not too good. <laughs> yeah. Not too good. I still see the robbing and the pillaging and the burning of uh, innocent businesses that are trying to make it day to day, you know, and uh, we haven't cut down on welfare at all. As a matter of fact, we've increased the amount of people since the, you know, infamous Barack Obama was in office. We we, we added, you know, about 26 million more people to uh, social welfare programs in this country in the eight years that we had to suffer. So you know, well, I there was a state uh, that was it Colorado that's actually going to make people take drug uh, take drug tests in order to get welfare. That's that that's real funny. I mean, that's been tested in the courts already as being unconstitutional. I think right here in uh, Florida, that was tested also, and it, and it failed. It didn't meet the uh, state supreme court thing, but. That's that's almost humorous in Colorado where they got uh, <laughs> marijuana right. legalized all over the place over there. So bad that other uh, border states uh, have now set up rules and regulations not allowing some people from Colorado to come in because they're bringing all their recreational marijuana. I believe Nebraska is one of the border states and such. So Nebraska and such, they mm. have to create uh, laws to restrict 
people from Colorado coming in. I can't imagine. Like I said, that, that, that must be a joke or something because uh, now they're suddenly concerned about testing people after allowing the market to be flooded with, you know, with uh, drugs and stuff. So that's kind of humorous. Yeah, very, very well may. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I think it. I think it should be constitutional. I think it should be uh, uh, be able to get, get uh, drug testing because I think that's ridiculous. I mean, I, you know, cause it's so easy to just basically sell your food stamps, so to speak, you know, and then pe- and people give money for it. It's just it's so easy for people to do that now. Well, they, 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 once again, people come and they, they start waiving constitutional rights. You know, you got your right to privacy with, with something like that. Also, your right, uh, Fifth Amendment right. And I understand the argument, if you're going to accept taxpayers' money to sustain yourself, well, then your, your rights sort of go to the wayside. You know, that's the way it used to be when people used to go to prison also, believe it or not. You know, you lost all your rights. That was also designed as an incentive not to commit a crime. But now people have all these rights in prison and uh, and stuff like so. The incentive has been minimized now to not commit a crime. I'm not saying prison's a place where people want to want to go on vacation. But on the other hand, you know we've done nothing to uh, to suppress the the crime. And uh, and this here would be considered uh, an interference or obstruction of civil rights if we start testing people like i said i believe they tried that here a few years ago in florida and uh and it yeah. failed it didn't meet the uh litmus test if you will and it was ruled uh, unconstitutional oh and, and, and carolyn put in here she thinks it's west virginia and wisconsin and wisconsin sounds familiar maybe i, I didn't hear anything about west virginia but maybe it was wisconsin uh who but you know what's it because something's uh, see that? No, that's not true. Let's see. It says at least 15 states have passed legislation regarding drug testing or screening for public assistance applications or recipients. Alabama is the list. Thanks, Carolyn. Uh, Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Kansas, Michigan. No, wow, that's surprising to me. Uh, Miss, uh, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Utah. And, and they, they already them. passed. They, no legislation's passed them. Is that correct, uh, uh, Carolyn? Uh, she'll put that, and she don't think it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know why I thought Colorado, but I, I thought whatever what the state I heard was kind of preposterous. That's why I thought Colorado. <laughs> yeah, that's that's real. <laughs> yeah, well, they're gonna give all, all the lawyers uh, um, marijuana to to light up before they go in and argue their position. I mean, that that state, you know, it's it's a bit excessive there. As a matter of fact, and I don't want to digress too much, but we've never had a fatality in this country. With the use of marijuana, except I believe it was two years ago, it took that long for them to do the complete medical study when a child ingested some of their parents' marijuana and the THC content was so high that the child had a uh, heart attack and died. So we have our first record, and this is in Colorado, I think it was in 2015. And so we do have our first recorded fatality of uh, uh, somebody using marijuana. And we've never had that, presumably, in the country. And like I said, they had to do in-depth tests and stuff. It was a young child. I think she was uh, three years old. I can't remember. I was somewhere around there. But she died of a heart attack related to the THC content in the marijuana, which they said was higher than what would be even acceptable for an adult. 
So, and, you know, and I, if the ironic thing, I tried to pass that information around to all the media here in Florida because we just signed off on uh, medical marijuana and nobody said anything about it. Nobody reported it or nothing. So, you know, once again, that, that goes to our liberal media. So it's a, it's a sad case of affairs, and I suspect as the marijuana use grows, you know, that we're going to have even more fatalities because – and my argument against it, and I don't want to digress too much, but my argument against it, this is not the marijuana of Woodstock days. This has been, this is hybrid. It's been crossbred, <clears throat> chemically treated. The THC content has at least tripled from the marijuana of yesteryear. You know, I, I call it the Woodstock days. So it, it's it's a very, <laughs> it's a much more potent and dangerous drug than it was once upon a time. And then uh, I got here from American Statesman here in chat, uh, and thank you very much for the post. And also I got a link here uh, from Carolyn that I'm putting on the uh, Barge Lodge Quilt Talk uh, page there on Facebook once my uh, slow computer decides to finally paste that um, <laughs> so I can public, uh, publish it. That um, says object moved. I don't know what that is. But anyway, we'll see. Um, so, got, oh, let me get back to the chat. Is It says, uh, Key West, Florida, a federal judge on Tuesday uh, struck down as unconstitutional a Florida law that required welfare applicants to undergo mandatory drug testing, setting the stage for a legal battle that could affect similar efforts uh, nationwide. Uh, judge Mary S. Scriven of the United States District Court in Orlando held that the testing requirement the signature legislation of Governor uh, Rick Scott, the Republican campaign on the issue, violated the protection against unreasonable searches. Um, and I tell you what, I would uh, – and then here's a, a New York Times. Uh, and I'll, I'll put that, that uh, link as well. It's not letting me copy it. Why is that? Come on, computer. Because it's still thinking. Um, I got too many tabs up is what, what's, what's going on here. Um <laughs> This object. Let's see if I'm still able to use that. Hey, Robert. Um, go go ahead, John. Uh, go ahead, John. While I'm uh, getting this link here. Okay, I got a couple links here uh, from American Spain. Go ahead, John. Yeah, it uh, sounds like if um, everybody starts um, talking about this passing the marijuana thing, all of the insurance companies would love it because then they can say, "Oh, yeah, for the driver's license now, we got to make sure and cover ourselves because if they can't, if they're going to drink alcohol and get drunk and wreck their car, well, now they're going to add marijuana to it on top of the alcohol and stuff. So therefore, the premiums ought to increase in order to cover our risks." Well, consider the other fact. Going to be a, do you think it's going to be an across-the-board raise, John, or just those who? May have to do testing uh, to get. Well, maybe someone's got to do a drug test in order to. You know, I don't know. When they get their driver's license, make sure they don't have to pay an extra premium. So I don't know. Go ahead, yeah, Tom. No, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna increase insurance rates because there'll be much more accidents. Because we got to remember the medical marijuana and. There are some people, I don't think as many as they like us to believe, there are some people that the medical marijuana will serve a purpose for. But if you view what goes on in, like in California and stuff, everybody started going to the doctor, and they did the one thing that nobody can really prove to be medically uh, exact is chronic back pain. 
Anywhere you go in California, you walk up to the doctor and say, I got chronic back pain, and he can't. He can't determine if you do or not. He'll write you a prescription, and everybody starts going off to the uh, to the uh, little stores on the corner and submitting their prescription and getting their medical marijuana. It, it, there's no degree of honesty in this, so it's they should have done it in a whole different manner. They should have prescribed it like a drug in a drugstore. You know, and it had to be specific stuff that a doctor can determine to be real. But, you know, check on the stats in California and states like that. Chronic back pain is the big thing now. And it, and it allows doctors to write prescriptions for medical marijuana, which to me, in a lot of ways, and I think a lot of people know this, the medical marijuana, even though there's some people really need it, is just going to be a pathway to legislators coming up with, okay, let's just do recreational marijuana, which is basically just another way of saying let's legalize marijuana throughout the country, which they've been trying to do since the the flower days of the 1960s. So, you know, and not that I'm necessarily against it, but it's not the same marijuana of the 1960s. That you can take to the bank. It's highly potent, very dangerous, and like John was saying, we're going to have a lot of problems with DUIs. How's somebody going to, who, who do you point the finger at if, if he does a DUI because he's so stoned on marijuana and he says, well, I got a prescription. So I'm legal. So who's the, who's the, who's right? Who's wrong? I could see the lawyers all jumping up and down because this is going to make it fun for them. But <laughs> what happens to the poor victims? You know, of this, nobody is thinking this through. Once again, they're looking at, you know, how am I going to garner more votes and more money in my campaign fodder when I run for office next year? And naturally, now the marijuana people, you know, uh, are going to be donating a lot of a lot of money to. Uh, politicians supporting their position. And, and that's all this is. It's it's smoke and mirrors. You know, they throw a few good intentions in front of people, so people are afraid to argue against it because it'll make them look bad. But this is just another ploy on our way to the biblical uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Even deeper than that, Tom, it's also a ploy to more surveillance because the more different data points that they can try to collect on you, because as much as anybody wants to ignore, like we have HIPAA laws and different laws that are supposed to shield you from having other people look into your records, well, shoot, a lot of these corporations nowadays have these special arrangements with these, um, I call them crooked LLC businesses where they'll do background checks that are really illegal to do, but they'll get into your medical records, your driving history records, and all your um, uh, private, you know, banking records and stuff, so they can evaluate whether they want you to be the, an employee with them or not. And now, if they pass laws like that, well, then that's just one more data point. They, if the people out there that are smoking marijuana that don't drink and don't do anything else. Then they, you know, for example, right now, if you, all you do is, you know, smoke a cigarette and smoke pot from time to time and stuff, you probably aren't in the system for drinking and, and bad driving habits and stuff like that. But now this will be one point that they can find out who all the dope smokers are in order to say, hey, now we can know for sure these people are smoking, whereas before they'd hire you and they would find out months down the road, well, that was a, he's a dope head. I didn't know he smoked dope. Well, now they can make it part of this, you know, surveillance record stuff and, and do it. And as much as people like to say that you're protected, 
believe me, just like our congressmen and stuff don't respect the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, it's all just lip service. Companies figure ways around stuff in order to get the information they want to make sure that they know what they're doing and they get to do what they want to do. So there might be laws against companies getting into your medical records and your, you know, whatever financial records and stuff, but they do it anyway. At least the ones that have capability to do it. Small moms and pop businesses can't justify that. It's too hard, too much money involved. Or at least that's well, what I mean, and I don't know all. Well, and I'm not going to get too far into the weeds or too off topic, but one of the things that's kind of a pet peeve for myself, um, and if anyone else wants to chime on this, I, I'll open up a little bit for it. But one of my pet peeves is when uh, they uh, look and they want to do a credit check for somebody in, uh, in order for employment. I think that's ridiculous. Let's say somebody had fell on hard times, you know, and, you, you know, it's like, well, how do you expect them to get better credit if you won't give them a job so they can – make money and pay their bills and pay things off if they're not working. You know, so to hold employment back from people due to credit, I think that should be made illegal, frankly. I'm not one big for, you know, uh, you know, regulating businesses, you know, you know, you know, carte blanche, but I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, to, to say, oh, well, you know, I, some industry, I mean, I, not in any industry. I mean, I know it's real big in the financial sector, financial industry. Uh, but I don't think it should be in any industry myself. But anyway, that's that's kind of a side opinion, you know, with that. Uh, I think that's – and maybe that's even one way for they can, you know, justify, as you pointed out, John, to, to kind of look into your business. <laughs> I don't know. That might be a far fetch on that. but It's not. Whenever you, when, whenever you take into consideration, think about it. Over the history, now most recently, we can look back to 2008, 2009, a lot, I don't know the details, I'm sure somebody else knows better than me, I just have a myopic view because I can only experience that that comes within my purview and I can't see what everybody else sees, but what I found very ironic is during 2008 and 2009 when a lot of people were losing their jobs and then their houses went bankrupt, some of these people were in their 50s and 60s, and they were just getting ready to retire. They lost their pensions and their retirement, their house, and they oh, had yeah. worked the same company. They had worked the same company for 30, 40 years, and they're getting ready to retire. And now you're going to say, "Oh, well, they're a credit risk. They're not worth hiring. I can't keep them on a job, you know, because they got bad credit now." Because you know what I mean. So I agree with you. Right. Well, if you t- Johnny, you're talking about the subprime loans. Well, there was more than that, but yes, that is part of it. Back in 2008, 2009, because a lot of the jobs were being outsourced over to foreign nations, a lot of started getting crunched more here in America that affected their mortgages more, and then they couldn't pay their mortgages, and then the banks started bailing up. Well, the banks got or pay, bailed out. Or pay well, landscaping and remodeling contractors. <laughs> Do what? Oh, no, my brother and I, we did remodeling and in uh, landscaping, both uh, commercial and residential, and when, when 2008 hit, I mean, it, it damaged to the point that we had to, cl- you know, uh, they had to close shops. Uh, we were ready to close shops. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but the, the point, the point is, is that the auto market and the and the um, bankage, you know, the mortgage companies, AIG, you know, they all got bailouts. 
all the rest of we, the people, whoever, our fellow Americans that were caught up in that, they lost their quality of life, and their their congressmen threw them under the bus, and the system just run roughshod over them into poverty. And now there, many of them, if they didn't find another job, well, first let me say, if they did find another job, many of them found a job that was not paying them as much as they did before. And if they didn't find a job, they're in poverty. Now there's, you know, a part of the... Um, what do you call it, social welfare or whatnot, that, you know, that raises our debt. So now we got more people. I just seen a thing on the news earlier today. We got uh, 554,000 homeless people in America now. That's more than it's been in a number of decades, they said. So, I mean, it, it's just crazy. So, I mean, you do make a great point still. Well, you know, part of the problem was the subprime loans, and you can thank Congress for that, because their version of equality was even if the person can't afford it, give them a loan, and they were arm twisting right, the banks. Right. The they were arm twisting the banks, yeah. and that's what happened. It was eventual. It was inevitable, I should say. You know, you just can't do it. No, no, nobody who's making twenty five thousand a year is going to be able to pay a twenty five hundred dollar a month. Uh, you know, a mortgage loan. They're just not going to be able to do it. Even though they were song and danced in the beginning, saying, oh, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, we'll give you this subprime loan. Unfortunately, a lot of the people who were responsible for this never answered for it. So that's why we, that's part of why we had a real estate collapse, you know, and which was inevitable because, and this goes way back, probably little by little, they kept telling people this is an investment first and a home second. Now, when I was growing up, it was a home first and an investment second, which you really didn't worry about that much because people held on to their homes for a long period of time. And if they re- right. if they gained some capital gains in selling it, that was nice, too. But it was a home first. It had meaning right. to the individual, to the family. It meant more as a home. But we've twisted that backwards now, and we just enticed everybody's greed and said, oh, yeah, great investment. Yeah, buy it for 300000 You can sell it for 400000 in a year. So, and then, oh, wow, wow. So nobody cares about what's a home anymore, and they just care about investments, and greed goes wild. And that's that was a strong contribution over, over time on why the collapse of real estate, which is going to happen again soon. I can see it. I can see it happening again. Everybody went back. You know, it's the old... Uh, Axiom, you know, uh, you know, insanity is when you keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, you know, each time. So that's what's going on again. Now we're building more than we need. You know, everyone's going crazy. Uh, prices down in this part of the country are going insane. You know, for a little like uh, 700 square foot uh, studio or something. You know, and just like you know, like up north. So it's it's going crazy again. So there's going to be another bubble, and then everyone's going to point the finger at somebody else again. And we're going to keep doing this every you know 10, 15 years, like a bunch of raving idiots. And no wonder if there are any aliens in outer space. I'm really digressing now. But if there are any aliens in outer space, they don't want to come here. They say these people are nuts. You know, I don't want to watch them go around in circles like uh, Keystone cops or something like that. And actually, Brian Bay brought up uh, aliens. I was going to actually mention this uh, when we were talking about the uh, the embassy in Israel. And speaking of aliens and embassy, yes, there's actually a connection. Uh, and this was a good segue oh to boy. it because 
probably better that I bring oh, this up on, now than then. Hold on. I, I, I okay. got to put my sheep and then, on for uh, this one. I got to hear this one. Okay. Is, is anyone here familiar with an or, uh, oh, they're not quite a religion, but they're called the Raelians. Anyone uh, who follows the teachings of Rael, do you, are you familiar with it? Any of either you two uh, familiar with that? Never heard of that one. No. Okay. I think it's R A E L I A N S. They're called the Raelians, and what they believe is that humanity was created by aliens. Basically, we're we're, we're the exper- the Earth and everything on the Earth and is the experimentation of uh, aliens. And then uh, one of their criteria for they're not God, but but for the, the 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 creators to come to Earth is to uh, for them to build their embassy, the Raelians embassy, and, and do some research on it. Just look it up, Raelians. And what they believe is once uh, we allow, which means governments of the earth, governments of the earth allow them to build their their embassy to rail in Jerusalem, then. Uh, uh, then you know, then the aliens will, will come and reveal themselves to us. But anyway, I just thought that was an interesting factoid. I'm glad I uh, there was a segue that got me to uh, to bring that in. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I, I was just I wondering think they maybe I, even thought that you know Jesus was a, an alien or something like that. I mean, it's been a long time since I've done any read up on him. But God, if they land in the United States, will they qualify for Obamacare and uh, free uh, you know room and board and everything? I'm just wondering. Is that, is that what we'll do when they land here? I think, we'll gonna land in, I think they would land in Israel. Uh, however, since you brought up Obamacare, I think that's a great segue because we're already actually at the top of the hour uh, to talk about one of the topics that you know I showcased on here, and that uh, at least in the description is about the Obamacare. Um, now I know there's been all these fights to uh, get rid of it, of course, and uh, or at least even in the tax bill in the Senate version. Uh, it's to uh, at least get out the individual mandate, which I hope stays because I think it's crazy to make somebody do anything. Um, well, for the most part, you know, I, I don't want to paint it that broad of a brush, but uh, I, I don't believe in the mandate, and hopefully they they keep that in there. Uh, when no, they, they take it out. This bill. Well, I thought the no, Senate Robert, I think you mean they should, they should take the mandate out. That's what they're trying to do is yeah. to repeal yeah, the yeah, mandate. No, I'm. Right, they're trying to take the mandate yeah, out of, repeal of Obamacare. It, it, no, I meant whether they took it out of the tax bill. I'm talking about the tax bill. Oh, oh, yeah. They well, have it in, yeah, they have it in the tax bill right now, at least the Senate version, to take out the mandate from Obamacare. Yeah, which, in, in my in my in with. my perspective, the mandate, which is basically saying we're going to tax you for not buying a product which is unheard of in a capitalistic society, you know, is essentially the very reason or one of the reasons we had a revolution when we used the phrase taxation without representation. And that's exactly what that is. You know, it's taxation without representation. And curiously enough, another week on December 15th is the last day to sign up for Obamacare or any health insurance before they start penalizing you when you do your taxes. They'll penalize you for not having insurance for the, uh, no, you know, I, for the uh, past year of 2016. Well, that's pure insanity. It's pure. You can't you penalize people. 
What's that? I thought he signed an executive order. I thought uh, Trump signed an executive order or a moratorium on uh, on the mandate. I don't know if he uh, constitutionally. I don't think he can do that. I don't. I don't think he can do that on a, on a piece of existing legislation. Even though, in my opinion, Obamacare is illegal, and I, I want to get into that history in a minute or two. But I don't think he can sign an executive order to that. That makes him a monarch and not a president. You know, he's he's presiding over the government, and he's not he's not dictating to him. You know, you might be confused with Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Barack Obama loved doing. You know, but but the 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 curious fact with uh, Obamacare, and and people got to realize that Nancy Pelosi could not get it passed in the House. She tried and tried. She just could not get a, the uh, you know the kickoff version of the uh, Protection Act. And you know I, I don't know Obamacare just seems so much more easy to say. Uh, but she could not get the bill passed. So what they tried, what they did, unfortunately, there's a clause, and people maybe want to check on this if they're searching on the computer. In the Constitution, there's a clause called the Origination Clause, and it, it gives privilege to the Senate. Of, on any bills that are raised and passed that uh, generate revenue, because no, any bill yeah, no. such as Obamacare that ra- generates revenue has to originate in the House, not in the yeah, Senate. It has to originate in the House and then yeah. then oh. turned over to the Senate. But and uh, so what happened here is they Pelosi could not get a bill scribed. In, in the Obamacare language to pass in the House. So what they did was they took a veterans bill, and you can check on this, uh, House Bill 3590 in 2009. It was sponsored by uh, Congressman Rangel out of New York, and it was a bill to give uh, credit. It was, it was a credit, actually, for veterans, for military, uh, in uh, housing credit. So it was supposed to be a housing credit. So even that bill was not generating revenue. So the 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 life lifeblood of that bill was just to extend housing credit, tax credits to military veterans. Now that bill, thirty five ninety, as it was written, strictly for the credit housing credit for veterans, passed unanimously in the House. Then the bill went to the Senate. Now what the Senate did was. They exercise their rights, or they think they did anyway, they exercise their rights under the Constitution's origination clause and stripped all the language out of the bill, except for the number 3590, and inserted Obamacare. And then they said, look, it passed in the House. So now we can, we can vote and pass on the Senate version. And this is what happened in its rawest, shortest form. That's what happened, America. You got screwed. You didn't feel the pain, but it happened. And that's what they did. Now, they argued about it. They've had uh, committee hearings on and stuff. But the idea is the origination clause says that you can amend a House bill that, once again, uh, shows that it's uh, generating revenue. You can amend the bill. It doesn't say you can gut all the language, intent, and body of the bill and then insert yours. But that's what they did. And they lied, they violated the Constitution, they violated the law, but like, once again, if nobody in Congress opened their mouth and said anything, it passed. 
once this then now obviously since they ruled the Senate, it passed in the Senate, and thus we got the uh, beginning uh, start of uh, Obamacare, a totally illegal position, and they argue about it, and there's different legal arguments about it, but here's the real this is the real catalyst that drives me crazy. And I heard this uh, on a show from uh, Congressman Lewis uh, Gohmert from Texas. He was on a talk show recently, last year, because I, I had been writing and sending this out on email several couple of years ago to people saying, listen, what's going on here? This is illegal. Obamacare should have never come into existence. Then I hear this congressman, and I read it later on, too, to confirm this is what he said. He said, what happened is constitutional lawyers, after that bill was passed, constitutional lawyers came up to the Republicans in the House and said, we need a resolution from you, and we, as lawyers, will present a case against Obamacare for the violation of this origination clause. But we need a plaintiff, in essence. You need a plaintiff. The Republicans refused to present a resolution and give these lawyers the start-off point to present something to uh, the Supreme Court. So the Republicans, cowards that they were, refused to fight for our very Constitution that they all take a sworn oath to protect. This is insanity. And now we spent years and millions of dollars arguing, debating, and fighting over Obamacare when, as it was presented and as it was enacted, was illegal. And even in the Supreme Court here, when they had the Supreme Court battle over it with John Roberts, even when John Roberts, and I have it here if I can find it, even John Roberts said that he he was, he will not, he basically, let me put it this way, because I can't seem to find it right now. I had it in front of me for all this time, and then I lost it. But uh, he said that he was not addressing, in essence, he said the passing of Obamacare with the tax was acceptable if it met all the other constitutional standards. So point in fact, the Supreme Court, when they did vote on the body of the Obamacare, never addressed the origination clause, which in essence is if it meets all the, all the conditions uh, of the Constitution. So there was an opening there for these lawyers to go in there and say, well, they did not meet the legal constitutional practices via uh, the origination clause, point in fact is they violated the origination clause because they took everything out of the bill, and their, and their constitutional right as the Senate was only to be able to amend a bill passed through uh, the House. And they didn't do that. They took everything out, and they inserted this in. Totally le illegal. So there was never an origination bill, original bill from the House saying that we passed Obamacare, okay, Senate, now it's your turn. And and then when the Republicans had an opportunity to bring that specific point in question in front of the Supreme Court, they turned it down. They turned down the opportunity. It's absolutely amazing. Why? And we sit here letting all this illegal stuff go on and on, and uh, we don't have the, the American gumption to go out there and fight, and fight for this. You know, this should have never been. Not to mention that in its soul and body, it's social, it's socialized medicine, which is so contradictory. Well, and that's what their aim is, I think, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, but the idea is, look at what we're doing now. Not, not, we can't get, we still can't get the courage. You can't get the courage of people to repeal this thing. So we got to dissect it up and take a, a sentence out here and a paragraph out there. And these are supposed to be America's best, these so-called legislators. Uh, yeah. And they lack the <laughs> yeah. courage to do what's right. And they never brought a, uh, a, a, a question in front of the court, in front of the Supreme Court. Saying, and I think they would have won. They would have won because the Constitution, and that's the argument that lawyers are still having today behind the scenes, you know, did the Senate, com- uh, you know, comply with the particulars of the Constitution under the Origination Clause? And, and from what I've read, it, no, they did not comply because they allowed to amend it, but not to gut the whole thing and make it a totally different bill. Because even the, the bill that was passed was not a, uh, a revenue-generating bill. It was actually just a credit uh, given to uh, military. And, when, and here we go again. Military gets slapped down, and they're thrown in the back of the bus by America one more time. You know, And, and this whole thing is it's just – when I read that a few years ago and I tried to pass this out to people via email and explain it, you know, a lot of times all you get is the whole hum, oh, well, you know, Barack Obama must know what he's doing. And this shall, this right, this country operates on our intelligence, not their intelligence. This country is going to live or die on us, not on them. We can't point the finger at them no more. We already established with hard evidence they're incompetent, and and the power through the Constitution is ours. We've granted it to them on a temporary basis, and we have the right to take it back. And it's things like this. This massive bill that is soaking millions and millions of dollars out of people's pockets every day, you know, it should have never come into existence. And we sit here and let it happen. It's, to me, it's, just, it's a sad, sad commentary on a country that w- wants to go around pronouncing how democratic we are. And in, in, sen- in fact, we're just there's far too many ignorant people in this country, and I hope nobody gets offended, but that's the bottom line. We need to take back what is rightfully, rightfully ours. This country operates on on the people power, not on government power. John. I certainly agree with that. We got here real quick, John. Uh, I got the uh, – it looks like uh, the American statesman still typing, but we've got here so far. Um, so the argument of the plaintiffs is that the Affordable Care Act – and its taxes originated in the Senate, and that the tax-slash-penalty is therefore void. A 1990 Supreme Court case uh, does strongly suggest that taxes originate in the Senate are void. Thus far, these, those lawsuits have been unsuccessful, but they have provoked much commentary. H.R. 3590 initially was a six-page bill addressing, one, a federal income credit, and two – Acceleration of certain estimated corporate income tax payments. The bill probably would have had little revenue and may even have cost money. However, H.R. 3590 passed the House. The Senate gutted it entirely and inserted 2,076 pages of Obamacare. The Senate voted for H.R. 3590 in that form and transmitted it to uh, the House, which likewise approved it. Go yeah. ahead, John. Yeah, I was going to point out the fact that it's just all of the congressmen and senators 
that are colluding to defraud the American people. I don't believe that they're ignorant or that they don't know what they're doing or they're incompetent. These people are professionals. I mean, super professional class compared to most of the rest of we the Americans. So they know more about exactly willfully and intentionally what they do. And this is just my own opinion. And think about it. Most of the campaign dollars and all these special back-end deals, these guys come into office, you know, they might make a decent amount of money, but by the time they're in office for three or four more years, they're multimillionaires. And then they guaranteed by the, you know, pharmaceutical company for Obamacare, you got pharmaceutical company, medical um, device companies, you've got the healthcare insurance industry, they all have lobbyists that want to make sure that these things are done in order to give them a guaranteed paycheck. And so these guys are all just colluding, these elitists, in order to take advantage of the rest of us. And that's why anybody that thinks you just get to vote and then the next dictator is up to take advantage of you, and you can keep on doing that since we've been doing that for 230 years since the you know Constitution, and we're getting something different. I think you got to check the screws on your tinfoil hat. You're kind of messed up. Right. You, you, you now the curious thing is, because it, as long as somebody else can manipulate you with burdens and encumbrances, and the other people are multi-billionaires and trillionaires, they can always buy out your, the influence, and you are just a legislative slave, and they represent you like a pimp represents a prostitute. But the sad, the, the sad fact is, and we've been hearing the word collusion a lot, you know, lately, and, and oh, as they yeah. try to connect Trump to Russia, this was collusion in my mind, collusion to commit a criminal act in violation of the Constitution. That's point well, blank what it is in my mind. And yet we've never addressed the challenge that went in front of the Supreme Court, uh, which John Roberts turned coat because he was against it, and then suddenly at the last minute he was for it. You know, But that, that addressed the issue of is this a tax or is this a fee, a penalty fee? You know, and that was the issue. Nobody addressed the issue. Did they violate the origination clause in creating a false bill that was never passed through the House? Nobody challenged that. And to this day, nobody has challenged it. So there isn't a single Republican who can come up to the podium and tell me that they qualify to be reelected in that position again. They should all leave and apologize as they walk out the door. Well, and I think we can play a, a kind of a hand in that, really, you know, across the country, and then definitely it's going to take Trump support, uh, is to primary out all these yahoos. There's a few good ones still in there, uh, but primary a lot of these yahoos out uh, in 2018, both Democrat and Republican. Um, both Democrat well, and Republican, so that uh, we uh, – how do we find out who the good ones are? Because for 230 years, we've been voting in people that tell us they're great people, and we believe them. Well, right now, now, let's well, start right now it's better to get the, the devil you don't know than the devil you do, almost, I think. I mean, yeah, you want to get to, you want to get good people in there. I, I get that, John. Uh, but I think, you one, I mean, just you got to get rid of almost, almost all the incumbents and get some new people in there. I mean, yeah, you, you know, you certainly got to vet them. Um, I'd like to interview a bunch of them, to be honest. Um, Just change the system, Robert. Make them accountable to us. 
because right now there is no truth in representation. It's con- it's a, a, a uh, intentional fraudulent misrepresentation, intentional extrinsic fraud, intentional fraudulent conveyance, intentional um, failure of consideration, intentional coercion, intentional extortion, ex- intentional exploitation. There is plenty of rules on the books that we could throw at them. But because the system is set up to give them immunity and too many Americans say it's okay for me to just appoint the next dictator over me because they know once they get in office, they get to burden and encumber them against their will. So you basically said the rule of man is the way of the day, not the rule of law. Because if you don't know the difference between the rule of man and the rule of law and you keep doing the same thing over getting the rule of man, then you're deceiving yourself. But, you know, but the no, curious but, thing, go ahead, Tom. if I could jump in, the curious thing, especially with this mandate that uh, now they presumably want to get out of, they want to get rid of it. The reason they didn't try to get rid of the mandate before, it was bringing in a trillion dollars a year. And these are like children in a playground. That gives them money to spend, gives them money to uh, do their old uh, pork, uh, their little pork uh, incidents in their state so they can almost guarantee being elected again. So they didn't care. They don't care. And it, you, people, one thing we got to remind ourselves of, this is not a baseball game with the Republicans and the Democrats as the teams. There's only one team if this country is really wants to continue to exist, and it's America. These guys want you to think that. They want to keep us divided. Oh, it's the Republicans. Oh, no, it's the Democrats. So we're back and forth battling with each other while they're stealing everything out of our pockets. we got to think one thing. Whoever is up there, regardless of position, if he's not doing good for this country, he's gone. And I will personally escort him out of the country if we had to. The idea is if we don't start getting people to think about the, what's best for the country – not what's best for the political party, then just, we just might as well grab a chair, sit back, get some popcorn and some beer, and watch the country collapse in front of us. It's inevitable because that's what they wanted. They want us to think this is two teams playing the World Series. You know, they're the good guys, he's the bad guys. That's, that's what they want. But the reality is there's only one country in the end. And if we, if we keep allowing them to do this then there's no one to point the finger at except ourselves. And it's just a sad commentary. We see this going on and on and on. That's why I could never go to a political rally or anything, because I would call them out to what they are, human garbage. You know, that's what they are. Because the first thing they should all do when they go to, a, to meet the public is to apologize for their lack of performance and then beg them to reconsider them for re-election. But they don't do that. They song and dance us, you know, and everyone cheers. you got people who just can't wait they're tripping over themselves to shake some idiot's hand who's a, called a congressman or a senator. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, a lot of these people are really idiots. They don't know anything, and they could care less because it's about that power. Once they grab that power, nothing else matters to them except holding on to it. And we, we're always in the back. If there's any breadcrumbs left, they'll throw them to us, and we'll sit there and go, oh, gee, they're so great. It's a sad commentary because this country – had a lot of opportunity. It could have been a model for other countries who've lived under socialism or monarchy or dictatorship, and they know the difference. And we could have set a model for them. Instead, we don't. We just we're, we're roaming around like a bunch of idiots who escaped the institution. 
<laughs> well, Robert, you got to remember what Jim Condit Jr. has brought to us a number of times, too. You remember, there's approximately corporations that run all the media companies. All these corporations have boards of directors. Most of the billionaires and multimillionaires sit on these boards. So all these people manipulate this, and these board of directors on these different companies, they are also board of directors on most of, of the other corporations throughout America and around the world that are multinational corporate globalists. And these people... Well, yeah, and they have no allegiance to the United States at all. Yeah, these people control the media and their corporations, and part of how they do it is they set up these... Org- you know, an entity for a hedge fund or a bank financial institution, and then they get direct access to the Federal Reserve for 0% money, and then they go out and use it to manipulate their businesses to take advantage of you and I and the rest of us, and then they manipulate the lobbyist with the money to convince the corporate, I mean, the Congress and the senators in order to stay their way, and then they use all of the digital internet companies and whatnot to, and other companies to collect data to use that data to find out how to track and surveil everybody so way they can put blackmail on the congressmen and the senators, and then they make sure and hold the congressmen and the senators in their lap to make sure they're their lapdog for the next 20 years, and then whenever it comes election time, their big pockets are the ones that make sure that the third parties don't ever get a chance to even compete. And you've heard that from um, Dr. Charles Tolbert of the, you know, uh, Citizens for a Better America organization has been on your show several times. So we've got, you've got all kinds of specialists, whether it be Jim Condit Jr., Tom here today, you've had um, people from other organizations and like the, um, who's the, anyway, you've had several people, including Dr. Tolbert and um other congressmen and stuff that came on that shed light on some of this stuff, and we just have to try to keep all of it mindful whenever we're listening and learn from each other, because that's how they're stooping this whole situation. Uh, Robert, if I could, this is a great segue, because he was talking about the corporations and the media. It's a great segue to give a brief history on uh, the media and Operation Mockingbird. I think it is, too. I agree. Go ahead. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our trusted, allegedly trusted media, I should say, has never been trustful, and uh, it's a sad commentary. And uh, From a long time ago, too. Go ahead. Yeah, well, actually, the ones that is documented, it started in 1950 when the CIA called up uh, – all the reputable uh, a, a newspaper industry kings at that time, the New York Times, uh, was especially one of them. Quick, Tom, a, a, lot, a lot earlier than when Sean Hannity said the media is dead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, a lot, a lot, a lot earlier than that. It, it start, well, like I said, what is documented is it started in 1950 when the CIA went up to the corporate managers of each one of these newspapers and the alphabet networks, because there was very few then. You just had ABC, NBC, and CBS. There was no cable, nothing in 1950. They went up all, to these people and said, we will pay extra stipend to your employees if they would write stories prescribed as we dictate them to it, in some cases omitting the truth, sometimes taking little pertinent parts out, and sometimes creating totally false stories. And they said yes. 
and one of the most prominent ones, which we've all known as the flagship of newspapers, the New York Times, was one of the most cooperative. And this went on until it was exposed in the mid-'70s. And then, because it's still around now, I suspect it went underground. But the curious thing is, they're calling it fake news now. And that basically sounds harmless. What it really was, and what I think it still is, is propaganda. And your tax dollars is paying because it's been documented. They paid these reporters, be it on the television or on the newspapers, throughout the country now. They paid them to say, oh, that story there, well, take that sentence out, add this one in. Or that one, or that one we don't even want to see. Omit it totally. They only wanted you, the people, to know what they wanted to tell you. That's propaganda. Now, when I was in school in the you know, 50s and 60s, they were criticizing the USSR, which now is called Russia because it disbanded all the satellite countries it had. But they were every day it was how the propaganda from Russia, propaganda this. But we don't do that in America, you know. And these guys, our journalists, have a canon of ethics where they're supposed to only report the truth, not make the stories. And for many years, myself included, I thought that was a respected profession, only to find out. And it's still going on that it is far from being a respective profession. And it mostly relates to political stories, party stories, Republican, Democrat, what they want the public to know. It was alleged in the reports that I read that uh, President Eisenhower got elected based on the reports that they put out via the CIA and uh, so-called respected uh, journalists. So this has been going on, like I said, and this was... Uh, there was they had congressional hearings in the seventies. If you want to get a good condensed version, if you remember Watergate, there was two reporters, uh, Woodward and Bernstein. They're the ones who exposed Watergate. Well, one of them, Carl Bernstein, has a very good digest article out there. And all you got to do is put uh, Operation Mockingbird, uh, Carl Bernstein, and you'll get his article. Is a very condensed article of what happened over those years. And it says right in there that the most prominent and cooperative newspaper that helped them with these false stories was the New York Times. And when I read that, I was in shock. You mean the, and, you mean uh, the newspaper of record? <laughs> yeah. Now, like I said, they, they, they've been labeled the flagship of journalists and stuff and yeah, as a prominent newspaper. Uh, personally, I don't know how people could read it. It was so big and thick. You know, you, you had to take a day off from work to read that thing. But uh, the thing is, this is what we're going under. We're, we've been under the illusion that every story we get is honest reporting and that our reporters do not make the stories, they just report the stories. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. And what's going on now with all this fake news and everything? Well, they went clandestine for a while in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Now, and i I got to say, this happened in my mind because of Obama. They got bold. And now they're out in the open. And that's why every day you read the stories, you turn on the Internet, oh, CNN exposed for lying about this, uh, MSNBC exposed for lies about that. You never used to hear that. 
You never used to hear that. Now they've gotten so bold because I, 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 I'm under, operating under the assumption they thought Hillary was going to take over for Obama. So they got so bold that now they don't even try to hide their violations there of, of ethics and, and their total disrespect for the Constitution. And I don't want to beat this drum all the time, but it angers me so much to think of how many – Veterans, how many soldiers went out there to foreign lands? World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, you know, uh, the Gulf War, on and on. How many people died to protect the freedom of the press and the freedom of speech for a bunch of lowlifes who were getting paid not only their salary but tax dollars from a clandestine organization known as the CIA to report false stories. And what do we do? We sit here and we worry about, oh, how big is the next, uh, you know, uh, flat screen TV we're going to buy? How many remotes do I have here? Well, let me go out and get my new fancy car and uh, hope somebody paints my white picket fence for me. You know, and that's what we're doing in this country. And then we wonder why these things are going on, because we don't do nothing about it. Once again, we can shut these corporations down if we wanted to through the process of boycott and stuff. But, and I don't know how many people know about Operation Mockingbird, but, it, you know, it's, it's documented. And, you, and I, please, I, I reemphasize, read that uh, digested story from Carl Bernstein on, on uh, Operation Mockingbird. And th- that tells you just about everything, and it will make you sick to your stomach. The most trusted avenue of redress that Americans were supposed to have was nothing but a performance in deception. And it's sickening. It makes you sick to your stomach. you got to look around and you say, who's left? It's only me and maybe my neighbor. And that's what it is. It's only you guys. You, you know, you got to look to the left and to the right. And if you got trusted neighbors, those are the only ones that are going to help you. There's nobody in the media. There's nobody in Congress. You know, who's left? You tell me. I'd like to know. That's why people got to realize that we're in a serious form of distress here as a country you know we can't keep the pretense up anymore you know and i take it personally because i used to do a lot of work with the media in new york as a community activist and on local issues they're okay but as soon as you get involved with the politics oh who's the mayor well well uh, if we like him okay we will we'll help you if we're not you know, you know, they they do have some good points. They will help you on certain issues. But when it comes to the politics of the country, especially, and in some cases, large municipalities like New York City and stuff, you won't get their cooperation unless you think alike, which is exactly what today's Democrats are. You, you they will not. You got to think like them, or they don't even want to talk to you. And this is a sad case. Every time you pick up that newspaper, you got to remember who's writing it. And they only care about their political position. They don't care about you. And they want you to pay to hear their version. They don't, want to, they don't want you to pay to open a newspaper to read the truth. They want you to pay to hear their version. It's scary, people. It really is scary. And I think I've said enough on that. Well, yeah, and then uh, actually I talked to our friend, we mentioned Jim Connor Jr., who you know, pretty much has his finger on a pulse of a lot of things. Uh, one of the things that you know, he was very helpful with uh, was uh, watch the vote, uh, uh, watch the watch the vote USA, uh, which uh, was able to get a letter to uh, Donald Trump uh, to talk about electronic uh, voter fraud, which you start hearing uh, at the uh, towards the end of the campaign where, where where Trump was bringing that up. 
Uh, and, but, you know, and I text uh, Jim earlier tonight, and he, I mean, he had a passing knowledge of Operation um, Mockingbird. <clears throat> he had a, a throat there. Yeah, Mockingbird. I just had something in my throat. Um, uh, Operation Mockingbird. Uh, and he knew a little bit about it, but not a lot, which which really surprised me hearing from him because he's really up on those. Now, real quick on a programming note, um, and uh, and then thank you, uh, I Scott Game, uh, f- uh, for the link, and uh, want to let folks know that um, that www.cia.gov backslash library. Uh, backslash reading room search and then site and it's MK. Uh, we'll, I'll see if I could get this posted up on Facebook uh, for you, Scott. Uh, but real quick, though, on a programming note, is that you got about 25 minutes on this portion of the show, uh, which for those who are new, and I definitely uh, appreciate you coming to the show, whether uh, you're one of our regular callers or listeners uh, or you're new. Uh, def- uh, definitely appreciate it. Uh, so this is a podcast that will uh, be recorded, or it is being recorded, uh, where you can share the link out to other folks so they can listen uh, into the show as well, and that would be, of course, greatly appreciated. Uh, but uh, the program show tonight, only the next 24 minutes, is uh, where, we, where we're going to be on air, so to speak. Uh, we still will be live uh, for about an hour after uh, the show uh, that this portion of the show is over, and it still will be recorded and part of the podcast. But if you are not called in and you're just out there listening, you're in the chat just listening, unfortunately you will not be able to, uh, two things, one, listen to the extended period, uh, or two, you won't be able to participate either if you're not called in. So uh, give, us, uh, give a call in within the next 23 minutes at 347-945. 7428 if you'd like to listen and and just listen or participate in that portion of the show. Uh, And also for those who are on the line now, uh, do not uh, lose the call or else we will not be able to, unfortunately, uh, get uh, called back in. Uh, So don't lose the line. Uh, uh, So unfortunately, at the top of the hour, we won't be able to call back in. So those out there, yes, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And if you do uh, want to get in, push the one in number on your number dial, and I'll get you into uh, the show uh, as well. And so we've still got plenty of time here. Uh, if you have any uh, questions or comments about any of the things that we've discussed, uh, and then one of the things I want to uh, bring it over to, we got plenty of time. We got about almost the whole half of the show uh, is you know we're, we're, is we got a lot we're, we're talking about, and we've touched on. Uh, and most of them, but one of the things we, of course, you've heard coming in, uh, and Tom, I'll get your take on it first, uh, is that uh, if you hear uh, much about what's going on with the uh, so-called collusion investigation with Mueller and how they had to let, uh, I think his last name Strobe or something like that, they had to let him go uh, because of comments that were found. I think it was either a tweet or text or something like that uh, to his girlfriend, uh, they keep calling him his mistress. I think that's just to try to make more things sound more risque or something. But he's not married, so I don't I don't think he's married. Uh, so it's not real as mistress. It's just a girlfriend. So I'm, I think they're just trying to stay mistress, you know, on the reports that I've heard. But irregardless of that, uh, where he was, you know, sending anti-Trump uh, uh, messages to her, uh, where somehow it got out there, 
but he was like, if that's for showing bias, and of course, this is supposed to be an independent panel to try and investigate the so-called, and I'm putting so-called Trump uh, uh, <clears throat> collusion in there, uh, and, and that's um, so they let him go. So it's, it's definitely showing, you know, how this is BS. I think the whole Mueller investigation just needs to go. They've been doing this for over a year now. They're not going to find, you know, there's nothing out there to find. Uh, now there's still things to fabricate, and I was talking to a, a liberal friend of mine, love her to death. Uh, she's just quite liberal, uh, but uh, she thinks Trump's going to bring the Armageddon down on us. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> is that? Yeah, she she does. I mean, I love her to death. She's a good woman, uh, but real nice. I mean, I mean, if me and her can have uh, spars. Uh, about it and still main, maintain a friendship. You know, she's good people. <laughs> she just she just, just spends too much time listening to NPR. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I think the whole thing, you know, needs to go. But but what what they're doing, and you know, look, look at Manifold. It's what they're doing is they're, they're trying to get these people under oath, not talking. You know, asking them questions has nothing to do with the collusion. Uh, trying to charge them for lying to the FBI. And then you have, and uh, we'll talk more about the Strobe guy, uh, and then lying to the FBI on something that has nothing to do. And that's what it's, it's a game they're playing to try to discredit, you know, the people, the example Manafort, uh, discredit people that, that, that have been around Trump. Now, from my understanding, and Tom, if you've got more details or anybody, uh, let me know. It's from my understanding is the Strobe guy also has some links to Comey, whereas when Comey was coming out, instead of saying, the gross negligence for Hillary Clinton in her emails changed the wording of the, uh, I guess, of what the announcement's going to be for that. And I can't remember, you know, change, well, what he changed it to exactly at this time. But, I mean, uh, Tom, have you been uh, following that as well? Well, as I understand, this guy, and his name is so hard to pronounce, Stroke or something like that. Uh, he's he's stroke an actual or something like that, yeah. He's an FBI agent. He was the one who had, from what I read, he had the direct hand in changing uh, Comey's language to uh, right. minimize it so there would be no suggestion of criminal activity. You know, and uh, right. so he had a hand in that. But he also, from what I understand, interviewed Huma Abedin and another woman who came right out and lied. They lied about the uh, activities with the email server and such, and he never did nothing about it. And he was the one who directly, uh, he's the one who directly interviewed them. He was, if you want to use the word Russia, he was a Russian agent, as far as I'm concerned, in the FBI. And that's why uh, Mueller, he was compelled. Once that information came out, he was compelled to let the guy go because then it gave the appearance of a conflict of interest in the ongoing investigation. But Mueller himself is a conflict of interest in the ongoing investigation because he supported Hillary. I think he, I think there was a suggestion right. that he even worked in uh, in her campaign at one time. So, you know, in my opinion, and I know it's Monday morning quarterbacking here, when Trump was elected, because he, he knew what Comey was like, he would have been the first guy I would have got rid of, him and Lynch. I would have showed them the express door. And they would have both been out so fast, they would have thought a hurricane picked them up. But he left Comey in there, and that was his biggest mistake, because then when he got rid of Comey, it made it look like it was a retaliation or vengeance thing. He had, he had the uh, discretion in the beginning to get rid of him. I would have cleaned house with every single agency head, IRS, 
all of them, BLM over there, uh, Bureau of Land Management, everybody, EPA, I would have got rid of every single one because they were all patriotic. Maybe it's a bad choice in this case to use that word, but they were all followers of Obama. And if you don't clean house, then you're allowing the spies to stay in your house. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going on now. All these news stories that come out about who said this, and, and you say, how did Trump say that? How did they know? Because Obama's people are still in the administration. I would have cleaned house so fast, they wouldn't know what happened. The, the, the unemployment rate would have went up two points. Because I would have just cleaned them out. Because these are evil people. Obama was an evil person. And if we don't sit here and honestly admit that, he was the essence of everything that was bad about government. Because he, he, he violated everything. He was a true fascist. Because it's ironic, all these antifas are running around now calling Trump a fascist, which means they don't even know what the word means. But... Obama himself was the true essence of a fascist, and yet we sit here still and embrace this guy. It, it's beyond human comprehension. Once again, Americans are too apathetic and too lazy to learn who's running their government. And before you know it, they're going to have tire tracks on their back because they're, they're the ones that are going to be run over, and it'll be too late. Yeah, and Scott was asking. He wasn't above Comey. I don't, I don't believe he was. Uh, no, he was touching Comey's press statement. Right. No, he, but he he worked well, he worked he was he was an FBI agent. <laughs> but it, uh, but uh, but the the stroke guy he, he he was it was clear he was anti-Trump he was a Democrat or Democult as I call him which means that I'm not even going to give you a chance you know we're right and you're wrong and I'm, I got to tell you you got to look back read the old stories on cults you know the Jim Jones cult and stuff read those stories and everything yeah. is reflected in what these Democrats are doing how could you have a protest for a guy who hasn't even been a president yet. And you say, oh, he's this, he's that, he's racist. I, I can never understand where they got he was racist and stuff like that. It was just, they were just throwing every cliche against the wall, hoping that it would stick. You know, and, and with the cooperation of the mass media, the Operation Mockingbird traders, who are out there now still doing that, and they're throwing everything they have against Trump. And fortunately, at this time, he's able to withstand it. But, you know, the point is, you know, this investigation, Mueller should have been thrown out, and none of this would have went on because, yes, they did talk with Russia, but it's not a bad word. Russia's not the boogeyman here. They can talk to him. It's legal to talk to him. The, the issue is, was there cooperative collusion on fixing the election? And if you look at the facts, it was more with the Democrats. Than with anybody else, there was there's no not even a single point of collusion on the uh, Republican side. But there were two years prior in 2015 when the DNC got hacked and the FBI wanted to see their service, the DNC wouldn't turn them over. They refused to turn over the, the, their own computers because they didn't want nobody to know what was on there, and they were colluding with Russia. How do you think Russia got 20% of our uranium, which that, in that in itself is unpatriotic and treacherous? They got that because they cooperated with Hillary and Bill Clinton. 
And that's how she pulled the strings and got them to get 20% of our uranium, which I suspect Russia sold some of that uranium to North Korea, who is now talking about throwing some of it back to us via missiles. And this is an insane world we live in, and everybody's wondering about if, if, they, uh, if Russia and the Trump organization were talking together. You know, and that's not illegal. You can chat. But you see where this is going? This is pure insanity, and a lot of this I blame on the media, because if the media had any respect for the truth, they wouldn't be throwing this filth out there. They would let the truth expose itself on its own so that people could decide. Sad to say, we got a cult out there that they call themselves Democrats, but I think they're even more dangerous now because it's like a cult following. They would never sit down and negotiate. They're like the Palestines. They don't want to negotiate for the benefit of America. It's their way or no way. Okay. And we really have to well, take remember, this seriously. It was Obama. It was Obama said elections have consequences. And uh, Scott, you know, said, you know, we'll see more as, as time moves on. So it sounds like the guy, I guess you talk about stroke, is, is being, mal- being made out to be the fall guy, being anti-Trump, f- uh, fit the bill for the setup. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and we'll, yeah, we'll see more in time. And then, and here's uh, an article I got here. Uh, it's uh, from Fo- it's Fox News article. Um, this was just two hours ago. It says over 10,000 texts between ex-Mueller team official found after discovery of anti-Trump messages. The Justice Department officials are reading through over 10,000 texts between FBI officials Peter Stroke and Lisa Page. I guess that's what his girlfriend's name is. Uh, Fox News has learned after it merged, Stroke was removed from special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia probe following the discovery of anti-Trump messages between them. Department of Justice officials told Fox News they're in the process of going through the texts so they can find, hand them over to the House Intelligence Committee. Stroke, who was an FBI counterintelligence agency, had worked on the Mueller probe, but was reassigned to the human – see, he hasn't been fired. He was reassigned to the FBI's Human Resources Division after discovery of anti-Trump text with Page, with whom he was having – oh, maybe he was having an affair. I guess he I, – I, I thought – I heard he was just his girlfriend. I guess he was his mistress. Uh, Page was briefly on Mueller's team, but since has returned to the FBI. Uh, disclosure of those messages revived Republicans concerned about the objectivity of Mueller's probes. Um, you know, I'm not going to read all of it, blah, blah, blah. Let's get some other important parts here. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. It says House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes, a Republican in California, has sought documents and witnesses from the DOJ and FBI to determine what role, if any, the dossier played and a move to direct the surveillance. Okay, I guess we're talking about um, – maybe I should have uh, read a little bit um, <laughs> before that. Uh, but basically, it's given points of, of where this guy has been uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, his part. Uh, let's say – you know, because also, yeah, he's the one who changed – uh, it says uh, he also was present during the FBI's July 16th interview with Hillary Clinton at the close of the email investigation shortly before the then FBI director, James Comey, called her actions extremely careless. Uh, so it looks like he's the one who changed it uh, from, yeah, so extremely careless. So grossly negligent to extremely careless is where uh, is what it was changed. Yeah. Uh, and my, and, go ahead. Now, I was, I was just going to elaborate a little bit on more, and when they interviewed Hillary Clinton, they didn't require her to, to be interviewed under oath. 
I mean, what's next? Yeah, You're going to go out and buy her a hamburger and a soda? You know, I mean, this is insane. They, they, so anything she said could not be held against her, and she could have lied, and nobody could say that she perjured herself because they, they interviewed her without requiring her being under oath. This is pure insane. All this is insane. I don't know how they're getting away with it all these years, the Clintons. I mean, they've been getting away with this since since he was governor of Arkansas. And, and it's just pure insanity because there's got to be other evil people out there to allow this to happen. And unfortunately, when all is said and done, we're the ones who are going to pay the price for all this. You know, I know, I, I really believe this this Mueller investigation is, is a totally biased investigation that has no uh, hard facts relating to collusion. But you notice, and read the media, you'll see, and uh, Trump campaign workers talking with Russia, Kushner is talking with Russia. So what? You know, it's not illegal to talk to Russia. It's totally insane. But that's all they can right. say is... Talking with Russia, there's nobody saying we discovered collusion. That's why they got rid of uh, what was his name, Ross, over there. Uh, was it was it M uh, the NBC? They got rid of Brian Ross. Oh no, they didn't get rid of him. They suspended him because he came out with a fake story. That, that uh, right on, you know, and he's a he's a anchor man. He's a you know peak time on the news. Brian Ross came out and said, "Oh yeah, there's evidence that uh, uh, Donald Trump colluded with Russia, and and we got evidence." Turned out the story was false. He's saying it right on the on the main broadcast. Yeah, this would never have happened years ago, even with the media. They wouldn't expose themselves so arrogantly like they're doing now. That I'm saying there are no friends yeah, the, the, to Americans. The power to get Americans. Yeah, and and well, he got suspended for a couple of weeks, and presumably now they're saying he cannot report on any more uh, Trump stories. Yippee! So what's he going to do now? He's going to report on uh, Mike Pence stories. I mean, it's ridiculous. Fire the guy. He violated his canon of ethics. He didn't vet the story. He put it out there because he's such a Trump hater. This is this is these are cult. This is what cult followers do. They make stories up and. All they exude is hate, hate, hate. They vomit it all over the place, and then the media picks it up and puts that same vomit in their papers. And before you know it, people who have gotten brainwashed over the years believe what they read in the paper. And, and I'm telling you, America needs to start trusting it only themselves because you have no friends in D.C. and you have no friends in the media. You know, and and they've shown that the respect for the media and their truth reporting has has gone down to like 32 percent. You know, they're down they're down there. You know, almost as bad as Congress. So you know, and yeah. I, I think I think they trust car dealers more than they trust uh, uh, reporters nowadays. So it, it, you know, it's a sad it's a sad commentary, and the world's sitting down laughing at us. I, I, I'm telling you, they're laughing at us. They're saying, here we go, pounding our chest, great country, democratic republic, blah, blah, blah. And we're like a, a bunch of uh, crazy people running around, tripping over each other. It, it's a sad, sad commentary on this country, all this stuff. This investigation is an embarrassment. You don't think other countries, through their own intelligence avenues, know exactly who the enemies are? They know, okay. know exactly what Hillary was doing. I mean, she was getting all this money from uh, Qatar and Saudi Arabia, all these countries. Here she is, pro-woman, getting all this money from countries that are anti-women. And I even wrote to the uh, 
uh, now crowd over there, the National Organization of Women, because they endorsed her in 2015. I wrote to them, and I sent them the printed facts about these countries. They never wrote back. As a matter of fact, some of them tried to block me. Yeah, but the truth, they don't want to know the truth. These are cult followers. The truth means nothing to them. That makes them even more dangerous than any of these other organizations that are out there. The Democratic Party has become an enemy of the state. And and that's just the bottom line. And, and real quick, because uh, we, we are going to be going into that uh, extended period I told you folks back uh, earlier. So if you're not already on the call, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, because uh, if you don't, in the next five minutes, uh, you will lose audio. And for those who are on the call, uh, definitely make sure whatever you're calling in on or speaking on is charged, because uh, we, once we lose you, unfortunately, we won't be able to bring you back. So if you're out there listening and you'd like to listen to and maybe even be a part of uh, our next hour, give us a call at 347-945-7428, uh, and we'll get you know push the one on your number dial when you're on the call, much like Kelly has, and we're going to get you in, in a moment, Kelly. Uh, and I'll get you into the show. Again, the number for you is 347-945-7428, and give us a call prior to the next five minutes. And so let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, good. I've, uh, well, I found out recently I was a criminal. Uh, yes, a criminal. I'm on the lam. Oh, my gosh. Um, How are you handling that? Pretty well. I just uh, wait for the jury trial to come and, you know, have an acquittal. But, uh, oh, the first one I walked on a job site with all the Maybe he wrote down the wrong section of the code, but driving recklessly. Okay. And I went to the court and said, oh, they haven't filed a case yet, but it's lucky for you. It's been changed from a misdemeanor to an infraction. I rolled my eyes like, that's not good news. You people, I, what the heck? And my suit came along to me. Who was investigating you, Muller? <laughs> Muller? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one of those other dudes. I don't know. But what, then, Do uh, you have any influence with Hillary? Maybe she can help you get rid of this. <laughs> well, maybe that's why I'm not in jail. Maybe maybe Hillary is my close friend. And there you go. See? You never know. <laughs> you never know. Oh, and the third thing, uh, the homeless shelter. We got a letter from the city. Cease and desist. Something about zoning and we need a state license. And they even called their actions illegal. And because I posted overnight, I... Again, a criminal for helping the homeless. <laughs> Just like, how many how many felonies do we commit every day? Somebody said like we commit several felonies a day. I don't know, but you know, the American disobey with us, so why can't Hillary? <laughs> yeah. So with Hillary, what, um, I guess Tom, are you a rel- are you a new caller or is he a guest tonight? I kind of came in late, but. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually the same guest that was here last week. Okay, good, good, good. All right, Can't you tell? My voice gets louder and louder each time I talk. Yeah. Um, New York, New Jersey, East Coast, where are you from? And originally New York. New York, all right. There you go. Not from Jersey. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually rather impressed uh, with what you 
and bring to the discussion. I've been listening for a while and working. Yeah, I appreciate that. And appreciate that. Um, yeah, there's it, like a thousand sealed indictments, says the rumor mill, um, that uh, Trump and uh, not Pence, but uh, oh gosh, AG's name, help me out here. Mental block. Sessions? Um, Sessions, yes. Yeah, so it appears that session has been in sessions with the uh, grand jury. Um, a thousand sealed indictment is kind of ironic because they're sealed. How does anybody know about them? It's a judicial seal. Yeah, yeah I've been hearing that story for the last couple of weeks, and I'm still waiting for the uh, you know the moment of uh, reality on that one. I don't know if that's a fake story floating around, you know, or what. But uh, everyone's you know I've been reading it. But you know, Sessions appears to have been comatose since he took office. But I don't know if he's been doing things clandestine, and maybe this is something that's going to happen. But you know. I, it's hard to believe because I, I think that would have been out there already, you know. But like I said, I keep well, hearing the story, and they keep saying it's coming out any day now, and any day is stretching into any month. Well, if if it's true, it would make sense because if the deep state operatives, I mean, they've got to be literally hundreds, if not thousands of them. Um, it's kind of like you open the open the gate and the bad people come in, and uh, so maybe just maybe. Um, that's what Sessions has been up to, and just maybe um, a bunch of bad guys, if they were indicted, the rest of the bad guys would probably go to Ecuador where there's not an extradition treaty. Um, and and the fact that uh, the witnesses could end up dead. So it might be a situation where you got to get all these jokers indicted heavily, and then when they're um, indicted to protect the witnesses and other people involved, then maybe very possibly um, you just run them all up in one one fell swoop. Um, and so anyway, I just got a text from Robert. Um, keep please keep things going. I have to step away for a bit. Okay, fine. So we'll try to keep things going. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, you know. Some things people are like, well, Trump's not doing things. Trump's not doing what he should or what he said. Well, look what he did with Israel today. That's pretty exciting, you know. Uh, We've had this congressional approval to do this, and finally we're going to do it. Of course, all the organizations, people, they say that's going to be a declaration of war if the U.S. does that. But, okay, fine. You want to go to war with us? Uh, It's not going to end up good for you guys. But, um, so, yeah, I think that's a pretty cool thing that he did. And, uh, you know, he got out of the TPP. He's uh, killed the environment treaty, saying, I was elected to represent the people from Pittsburgh, not Paris, in this climate treaty. So, he did that. He's working on the wall. Uh, so he brought jobs in. He got the economy doing a lot better. Stock market's up. I'm even seeing it in my own business. All of a sudden, people are wanting to build again. It's like maybe they have hope. So, um, so yeah, Trump's doing some things here, and maybe, you know, people were hesitant. Well, he hasn't done much. Well, maybe, and, and then Trump. Oh gosh, you know, he uh, he got Rince Priebus as the uh, um, chief of staff. Chief of staff picks all the staff. Okay, and like I was furious when I found that out. But maybe, just maybe, maybe what Trump is doing, and I mentioned this before on the show. Maybe what Trump is doing. Was he was hiring deep state to see who they contact in the deep state, get a bunch of names, round them up, 
and throw them off a bridge. I don't know, but that's a very real possibility. We'll see if it's going to happen. So I did want to address Tom. Um, I don't know if you, you know, wrote a book about the grand jury, but there is a way to get before a grand jury. I've been before a grand jury at my request. It's called the right of petition. A couple court cases behind that and history. But 18 U.S.C. 1504, you can hand a request to appear letter to grand jury members. That's 18 U.S.C. 1504, the last sentence. And uh, you read the first couple paragraphs, it'll scare the bejeebas out of you to ever even get before a grand jury. But the last sentence is everything. And they wrote that. Whoever wrote that section wrote it purposely to scare anybody from ever trying. You read the last sentence. Yeah, you can do a you can you can stand in a federal courthouse, grand jury members are walking by. Hey, I'd like to appear. Here's my letter. I'll be out in the hallway. And then bam, you can get before a grand jury. So of course there's eighteen USC thirty two thirty two or you give it to a you give evidence of oh say Hillary or whoever. You give the evidence to a uh, AUSA, which is an attorney for the United States of America, a.k.a. A prosecutor. They have to submit that evidence to the grand jury. But how do you know if they ever will or will not? Because grand jury proceedings are confidential. So, yeah, there's two mechanisms to get dirt to a grand jury and see what they do. And uh, I just thought I'd throw that out. Tom, have you ever heard of that? Uh, no, I haven't paid too much attention to the grand jury process. I know it's a closed door, you know, and I've never appeared in front of one, thank God, because uh, I don't know how cooperative I'd be, but uh, it's like anything else. You know, you think some things are working for the public, but, you know, because they make the argument sound like, oh, this is good and this is fair and this is just. And uh, I don't know, when it comes to government, Versus the people, I haven't seen too much fair and just favoring the people. So after a while, you got to hold suspect uh, the intentions of some of these complicated proceedings like uh, grand jury hearings and stuff, because you wonder if there's uh, underlying uh, real intentions, you know, that you don't see, but you feel the impact later on when you feel like you just got shafted by the law. So it's debatable. Hey, hey Kelly. Is yes, this information yeah. in your book? What's the name of your book, and how does people get a copy of it? It's called The Hidden Worst Nightmare. The subtitle is A Corrupt Government's Worst Nightmare. Breaking up. We can't hear you. Oh, it's called The Hidden Fourth Branch, A Corrupt Government's Worst Nightmare. And in the book, I detail that all sorts of government agents have gone down at the hands of the grand jury for corruption. Um, county level, county judges, even the district attorney was indicted by the grand jury. The prosecutor, the grand jury basically took him down. Um, uh, federal judges, state judges, congressmen, state house senators, um, U.S. senators. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, Watergate would have never happened unless the grand juries were doing their thing, and they did. So, um, yeah, it's it's created oh, about 800 plus years ago, and uh, the right of petition is tied that you can petition a grand jury and there's case law that confirm that. And so it's a great, and their investigative powers, even the United States Attorney's Manual says, you must remember that the grand jury is an independent body. There is a YouTube video done and what grand jury service is. Judge John Roberts at the end says, yeah, the grand jury and basically investigates as we have just seen in this video. Oh, what, who investigates? FBI? CIA? No, 
is grand jury by issuing subpoenas. They can issue their own subpoena. People won't comply. They get with the judge, and then there comes contempt. And people like Susan McDougall, she refused to testify. She went to jail for uh, 18 months because she wouldn't testify before a grand jury regarding what? Bill Clinton and the Whitewater thing. So it has the power to pierce the silence of witnesses witnessing corruption. And again, you can appear before a grand jury, as I have. So, yeah, it's just uh, something I want to throw out to Tom. I know I talked about it. Some people are have been regular listeners are probably yawning by now because they've heard this before. But at least, Tom, I wanted to uh, bring this to your attention in case there's something you want to do. Well, I was curious, what is the service of a grand jury? And, you know, how long do they serve in, in that position? In federal, it's, I believe it's 18 months. Um, California, it's a year. The civil grand jury, criminal grand jury is on as-needed basis. Um, and it, each state is different. States like Iowa only have like seven on the grand jury. California has between 19 and 23. Federal grand jury is 23, I believe, or is it 25? And there's always an odd number so that the minimum uh, it's majority of the vote, basically. That's the indictment sending someone to trial. Um, in New York, you can appear before the grand jury if you're being investigated, tell your side of the story. If you do not get indicted or no true bill, classically it's called ignoramus. But in New York, if you can prove your case before the grand jury, they don't indict you, you have just saved literally 100000 200000 in attorney's fees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so New York, each state's a little different. Um, in Florida, Miami-Dade County, the grand jury did a study on the roads and said, yeah, we've got to improve our transportation. And that was the, in, the, in the colonial days, um, in the 1600s, not 1700s, in the 1600s, they were looking at county projects and roads and bridges as the colonies were expanding in numbers by 16, it was 1685, all 13 counties had a grand jury. There was a famous action. In uh, Massachusetts one day uh, on King Street, uh, nine British soldiers shot and killed five colonials. Well, within three weeks, the grand jury had an indictment. Uh, This is called the Boston Massacre. And then what happened? Well, uh, uh, they were tried, the nine soldiers. Seven of them were uh, were acquitted because they were following orders. But the the two commanders got the death sentence. Matthew Kilroy got the death sentence. Uh, he was a commander. And they were actually, the, the defense attorney was uh, John Adams, who would later become president. And he said the jury, meaning the trial jury, got it exactly right. Yet it was a dirty business. And so he defended the British soldiers. Two of them got the death sentence. The rest of them got off uh, regarding the Boston Massacre. But within three weeks, not like Ferguson, months and months and months, within three weeks, the grand jury had him indicted. So that's how it uh, operated, holding government accountable. And it's been that way ever since the Magna Carta. It's a great system of accountability. Not many Americans know about it. And all these complaints about Hillary, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Yeah, I wish some people would come forward with what they know. But at the same time, maybe Sessions is doing this, and maybe that's why we've got over a 1,000 sealed indictments, and somehow that got leaked to the public. So... Yeah, I've heard heard that, you know, some of it was relating to the emails. Some of it is also related to uh, 
political pedophilia, if you wish. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but there's a where they were going to be taking down a lot of politicians who were following in kind, uh, going to these different places. That supposedly, supposedly, you know, along with other political stuff, there's a lot of stuff, presumably, from what I read. But I don't know if that was a made-up story or not, you know, about and because what bothers me, they kept saying, you know, uh, oh, it's supposed to come out this day and coming out that day, and I've yet to see anything come out. So you wonder if it's just a fake story somebody's generating to keep people's curiosity about who did they indict, what were the indictments involved with, you know, I mean. In my mind, it's clear the email server and the emails, she perjured herself, she lied, you know, she was doing stuff she wasn't supposed to do based on government policy, you know, and it's been noted, even the FBI couldn't hide the fact in in this particular case that she was transporting classified emails, not only giving it to her her so-called assistant, Uma Aberdeen, she was giving it to her husband, Weiner, Weiner over there, and he had him on his laptop, you know, and and this is classified stuff, and it's been documented, you know, but you got to remember, you know, and this is stuff that she should have been indicted for a long time ago. This was all documented fact. And, And it boggles the mind. You know, now if Sessions is going through a different pathway, to seek justice, well, that's fine. It's just that, you know, I, I don't know, you know, like I said, if, if the story being generated is real or, or fake. Are you far away from your phone? Because it's hard to hear what you're saying, Kelly. Yeah. Can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Is that better? Yeah. Okay. So, the uh, in short, the Attorney General of the United States can protect criminals. You can get away with murder because of the Fifth Amendment. And here's what it reads. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless under presentment or indictment by a grand jury. So you have an attorney general that never gets the evidence to a grand jury. Guess what? You can get away with murder. That's what happened with Ted Kennedy Kennedy in Chappaquiddick. Yeah. Murdered somebody. And the, the the judge sealed the evidence, and the prosecutor says, well, grand jury, you don't have enough evidence to indict him. So he got away with murder. So when you have the attorney general protecting Obama and everybody around Obama, that's why Hillary can get away with so much crap. But all of a sudden you have Jeff, Jeff Sessions in Sessions, and AUSA is under him. They can go after this, and they can make it happen. But witnesses need to be protected, and I, I'm just hoping that they've gone to work. I'm hoping that they've done this behind the scenes. I'm hoping the accountability comes because, again, without an indictment, you are not to be held to answer. So it's kind of a flaw of our Constitution, if you will, that the attorney general has so much power. Um, so it's, it's kind of frustrating. So that is why Hillary for years and Bill and pick other names you want to, this is why they've been able to get away with so much. 
except now we have a change in the guard. And that's why it is very possible there could be a thousand sealed indictments. Well, I, that would answer for why he hasn't been doing anything visible. But I sure hope that happens. I don't know what are they waiting for the the right time. You know, they're not going to get media to cooperate and make this front page news. You know, they're going to throw it back there next to the sports section or something if they could. You know, <laughs> so they don't have the support because. Uh, sometimes the you know the media sometimes helps them direct uh, which way they're going to go with their you know with their indictments based on you know if they feel they can get people to testify against others. But when you got a media that's not putting the word out there, so you don't you're not getting that uh, public outcry. You know sometimes you're out there all by yourself. So I, I don't know what their intentions are, but I know there's definitely a handful of people. At the very least, who should be in, indicted, you know, at the very least. But we'll see. I mean, that was one of Trump's political positions. So I don't know if he still wants to follow through with that, you know, clean the swamp. Well, one of the things he said he's going to do is get Hillary Clinton behind bars, and I haven't seen that, that being pursued yet. He's actually kind of backpedaled on that. Yeah, he did a double take because then and after he said that, then he turned right around and said, "Oh, Hillary and Bill, they're great people." He used that word "great" so so much it should be outlawed. You know, uh, you know, everything's great. This is great. That's great. Hillary and Bill are great. You know, lighten up sometimes. You know, he's, uh, you know, I I I know a lot about Trump from the past. You know, he wasn't. Uh, America's most favorite person in New York, you know, that's where he operated from. And we all knew him years ago, you know, in the 70s and stuff. I mean, you know, he got kicked out of his own casinos in uh, Atlantic City. So the board of directors. Well, how, that, how do you get kicked out of your own He's not an easy person to like. So, you know, he cast uh, a, a, you know, he, he cast a, a character that some people just don't like no matter what he does. So how did he that's a story there. How did he get kicked out of his own casino? Oh, uh, misspending. There was a time when he was, I, I thought he was only, he was broke, you know, but he, he I, you got to give him credit for his determination, you know, because there was a time they thought he was bankrupt. Well, he was uh, uh, running the casinos badly. You know, you know how he is. He's outspoken. He's got a board of directors, but he was doing what he wanted, losing money in uh, the casinos. He was buying almost every casino along the boardwalk. You know, he got money crazy there. And I don't remember the exact reasons, but I do remember when the headline came out that Trump's not allowed in his own casinos. That was funny. You know, but that was way back when. So, you know, but we knew him. I personally did not like him. You know, he was he's always been brash and arrogant, you know. And uh, even if he didn't have the money, he made you think he did. So... So I, I was I was taken aback myself when he ran for office because we know how brash and arrogant he was and you know and it's almost got him it almost got him in trouble a lot of times already because he doesn't think before he speaks and he's always been like that he, you know he's always been so and, and if if I remember correctly his wealth comes from his father. I think his father gave him a business or something, and he took it from there. His father loaned him. Yeah, to my understanding, his father loaned him a million dollars, and he built. Uh, he paid it back, to my understanding, 
and he built, uh, at least through the scriptures I've heard, the empire that he has today. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of anecdotal uh, evidence along the way of things that he did, you know, that were, you know, some would say, oh, yeah, smart businessman. Some would say, oh, that's disrespectful, that's rude, and stuff like that. And so, you know, he's he's, he's not a character that you can read real easy. So, you know, but uh, like I said, he's he's he never lost his arrogance and stuff like that. He's always been like that. He, he was not. He was not. As far as I remember, he was never a really well-liked person in uh, in the city of New York. So, but you know, it, it's it's interesting to see that he's he got a presidential position now. So, but there it is. I yeah. I mean, I still make they see him up there as being President Donald Trump. I'm just still like. Unbelievable. <laughs> I still can't, you know, for, on on multiple levels. I mean, uh, for me, you know, because i got a lot of friends, both Republican and Democrat, and actually, folks, as a programming note, uh, I will, the show will not be running uh, next week, the 13th, because I got invited uh, to a, a GOP dinner where I'm going to listen to uh, the speak. And some other candidates, because the, the gubernatorial race is coming, in which she's one of the candidates. Uh, they were uh, there. Uh, they got invited. I don't know how many are going to show up, if any. But I know she's supposed to be uh, speaking there. That's Mary Taylor. It'll be interesting to hear her speak, uh, especially if she, see how far she tries to run away from Kasich <laughs> during her speech. Um, you know, because she, I guess, wants to be elected governor, and I, I want to find out who she's going to uh, at least consider. You know, maybe for a, a, a lieutenant governor of herself. Uh, I'm kind of partial to uh, Amy Murray, uh, who's a city councilwoman in, in Cincinnati, who we've had on the show. That's probably why I'm kind of partial to her. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, but plus, you know, I've met her. I've been to a, a number of her fundraisers, and uh, you know, she's. Uh, you know, been amicable and, and come on the show on a number of times. Uh, even more so after she got, even when she got elected, unlike, uh, uh, un, unlike, oh my gosh, I'm having a, a brain freeze here. He's now the governor of Kentucky. Uh, we had him on the show uh, a number of times. Uh, Matt Bevan, that's it. Yeah, when he was running against McConnell uh, for the primary, he came on it a couple of times. And when he was running for governor, uh, he came on a couple of times. Boy, now once he became governor, I. He's, he's hard to get a hold of. I can't get past his gatekeeper. I mean, oh, I yeah. talked to, I talked to, I talked to his gatekeeper. Um, you know, his uh, I guess as a communications uh, officer, or whatever. Uh, I've spoken with him. I've emailed with him. I've even uh, made a few uh, possibilities of you know maybe a recorded interview uh, to post on the show. But but yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't reached out for for quite some time, and I'll probably do it uh, more again. But yeah, now these. Now he's governor. He's become a little harder to uh, to reach. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of get it. But when I hear him on the when because you know I'm in Ohio, so but when I hear him on the radio and I, I can't get past the keeper, kind of ticks me off <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. Uh, I do see we've got uh, about 20 minutes into the uh, the last hour here. And I want to make sure that we've covered all of our uh, you know, our topics. And, and Kelly, now one of the things that I definitely want to make sure I, I, I at least ask you about, I don't know if we'll talk about it at length, 
Um, it's because you are in California, of course, you know, with the, uh, uh, the verdict that came out in the case of uh, the murder, and I'm not going to mention it as I said at the beginning of the show, uh, for Kate uh, Steinway. Uh, are you seeing any reaction there in California? I mean, I know you're not in San Francisco, but I don't think you are. Uh, I mean, have you seen any, any outcry or anything going on there in California? Well, first let me tell you something. Um, someday I'll maybe move out of California to Oregon, and I'll say, Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm from California, meaning I escaped. Um, <laughs> the, uh, well, you're originally from Iowa, part, aren't you? <laughs> originally from Iowa, yeah. But uh, maybe if we go back to Iowa, yeah. Well, i got to ask, Kelly, what took you to California? Okay, from uh, if you don't want to answer yeah. that, you don't have to. <laughs> okay, it's women. All right, so in uh, Iowa, oh, gotcha. I spent a yeah, don't make it a strange yeah, thing. I'll I'll try to shorten this. So I went to Maryland for a couple summers when I was in college. Met a girl named Karen. So I moved to the East Coast, Maryland. Got a job. Had a company transfer. Ended up in California. Then I ended up here in the state of Jefferson, the north part of the state, where 22 counties basically said uh, we want out of California. And uh, maybe that's when I can say I have escaped. But, um, you know, so we're very conservative up here, by the way, the North State and quite a bit of the uh, the Sierras. The rural areas are conservative. It's just that the uh, big cities, you know, you got 5 million in the Bay Area, you got L.A., and they pretty much uh, dictate what goes on in the state. So, you know, a bunch of liberals there or whatever. And obviously the locals around here are pretty upset that uh, Kate Steinle was killed and the guy was acquitted. Now, when you have a jury, of course the left can say, well, see, it was the jury. No, no, no. In California, I've watched court cases. I've watched trials. Judges have an enormous amount of influence regarding what evidence is allowed and what evidence is not. For example, and even Judge Judy was furious with this, um, or no, sorry, Judge Janine. Judge Janine on Fox. She was furious. Um, the gun that she that she was killed by was designed to be dropped and not go off. It has a very heavy trigger. Well, did the judge disallow that evidence? Did a judge allow an expert witness that would have said, "Yeah, there's no way this gun could have killed off," so let's rule that out. So the judge controls quite a bit, and that could be appealed, which, you know, by the way, it'll take years. But so, you know, was the prosecutor in on this where he didn't really um, want an expert witness because he's a flaming libtard that wants illegals and, and the sanctuary city thing or the guy has been deported seven times? Um, you know, the jury was, was – some say that the jury was uh, making a statement against Trump. Um, you know, sanctuary. Yeah, oh, we love these people. Yeah. Oh, by the way, what, how are they helping the homeless in San Francisco? How are you going to have the money when you let all these illegals in from Sanctuary City? How are you going? Uh, what? Why aren't we taking care of our locals first? I don't know. But anyway, so yeah, people are pretty upset. Um, I, I'm expecting an appeal if the prosecution, um, if the prosecution is not in on it. Um, and of course, there will be a civil case of some kind. Of course, how do you well, get no, any I money out of this guy? 
Oh, they've already filed a civil case? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I haven't read a lot well, about it. I don't even know if it went anywhere. Yeah. Well, you remember the Judge Ito and then O.J. Simpson, you know, he was – I think it was a hung jury, but then they sued, and then in the civil case they won. Um, and so – and by the way, they don't link – here's something from California. They don't drink uh, orange juice in, in L.A. ever since this – Oh, um, the shooting there. The, um, that's because OJ will kill you. Um, <laughs> we need that drum roll. What <laughs> up, um, okay. But I mean, yeah, in California, I'm sorry, the judges have too much control, and of course, there's the penal code and rules of evidence and rules of procedure and rules, 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 and you got to get an attorney or your toes. And, and by the way, who funded his defense attorney? That is yeah, I was asking that same question too. Who funded yeah, that his question? Probably Al Qaeda. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> I mean, I, who, who, I mean, that would be easily, easily, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Oh Maybe yeah, three hundred thousand. You know, and attorneys aren't two hundred bucks an hour anymore. They're three, four, some of them five hundred. You get a patent attorney in court. They're six hundred bucks an hour. So I don't know who. I mean, I'd love. I'm sure. I'm sure Fox News or somebody's going to come out with who funded that that lawsuit. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It was uh, somebody affiliated with Ladassa or somebody like that. You know, just to make their point. You know, so that doesn't surprise me. It's just a once again, it's a shame and a poor example of what this country has become. And, And I want to ask you, since you know, is California still attempting to secede from the union? Well, I, I know some people in that movement and other people that are closely watching the movement. The answer is they're trying, but it's lame. They're disorganized. They don't know what they're doing, and they're not going anywhere with it. So I think that's a, a dead uh, See, That's the one thing I would help them with is get that paperwork together. I'd love to see them become their own state. They would collapse within – I'd give them a month. Because they would go totally socialism and then find out they don't have a, a, a dime in their pocket and they would collapse from within. Yeah, the other problem is California doesn't have a navy. You know, it's just kind of a nice little feature. A navy, yeah. Yeah, but they're a peace-loving <laughs> state. Why do they need a navy? They can throw uh, cotton balls. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll expect. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll they would expect uh, somebody else to pay for it. <laughs> Well, you know, if if they don't have a navy, they can conscript and create a militia. Oh, wait a minute, the left doesn't have any guns. <laughs> yeah, and who are they gonna who are they gonna hire as their militia? That's a joke. <laughs> With their strict gun regulations, you know, they would probably file charges against their own militia. And, and if I remember right, they exempted themselves from all their recent uh, gun regulations, which have become real strict. And the, one of the provisions is that they're exempt from those gun laws. The legislators. Uh, uh, don't know about that. I do know one of the state house senators was uh, trafficking illegal guns. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, what a reality show California could be. Yeah, he was Senator Leland Yee. He was indicted by a federal grand jury, but he uh, 
he came out of the closet. He really did love guns. He's been a big anti-gun person for a long time. But, you know, on the side, you just, you know, little ocean-going containers full of guns. Um, <laughs> so I See that? Amazing. He really did like them. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious, though, because I, I remember reading that. If you If you could find out, I remember reading they exempted themselves from their strict gun laws, all the legislators. So, you know, you just, they're, pulling, they're pulling what Congress does, exempting themselves from the laws the rest of us have to abide by. Oh, yeah. Well, here's a bizarre thing that happened. Uh, every year, the sheriffs of the counties would, would gather at the state capitol building and go meet with the governor and just kind of hobnob with some of the assemblymen and senators. And, uh, of course, they'd bring their guns with them. They're sheriffs. Of course, they've been vetted. They're the sheriffs that I mentioned. They're the sheriffs. So... I think it was last year or two years ago. They weren't allowed in the Capitol building unless they took their guns off. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, that, 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 that's what, I would never go there. I'm, I've been there years ago, once upon a time, but you couldn't get me to go to California, even if they offered me a free trip. I w- would not step into that. That that's like a foreign country to me. I just would well, not. And- yeah, if you get in the rural areas. The really sweet, loving, amazing, wonderful rural folk, okay, homeless shelter, compassion, amazing here locally. Uh, they're, they're just, you know, I was raised in Iowa. I fit in pretty well in this uh, rural conservative area. But, yeah, you get into the big cities, oy, you know, Stockton, murder yeah, capital of the world. Do you think we'll ever find out? You know how they – didn't they put out the uh, – who the oh, speaking of O.J. Simpson, didn't they actually have people who – where the jurors actually eventually come out and, and speak on that? You think that's ever going to happen in this case? No, that would be a fake. It was a high profile, and then the, the jurors came out and, and talked, you know. You know, actually, um, they can, after the case is all done, all adjudicated, all whatever, they can, unless <clears throat> unless a judge orders them to secrecy. But once a trial is done as well, a pedicure or trial one, juror, yeah. well, look it up on the Internet and see yeah. if any jurors came out. Well, it does say <clears throat> alternate, uh, an alternate, a Kate Steinle's juror uh, pens uh, defense of jury's verdict. An alternate juror, and the controversial, it doesn't say, it doesn't say. In well, an essay penned for Politico, Phil von Stockholm. A San Francisco mechanical engineer outlines the case as it was presented to the jury. Uh, uh, Van Stockholm, who was an alternate, did not vote with the other jury. Jurors writes that a significant part of the jury's instructions focus on the notion that if there is a reasonable uh, interpretation uh, of the evidence that favors the defendant, the jury must accept the interpretation over any sort of incrimination, any any others that incriminate him. Uh, there was uh, the case here is based on evidence appeared to them that blah 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 like a saying thing like that you know so I guess that's the name of one of them. But wait a minute, but if it says here that an alternate jury and they blah 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 blah, an alternate who did not vote with the other jurors, what does that mean, Kelly? Does that mean he voted Dissented. not? When, he was separate, physically separated from them, or he? Voted differently than what they well, voted if for. You're an alternate, if that's the case, go ahead. Well, if you have, um, you know, you got your regular twelve, and then you got your alternates in case one of the twelve 
you know, has a heart attack or unforeseen circumstances, you got to put the alternate in. Okay, now you're one of the 12. So I think at least three alternate jurors, or in this case, it may have been five because it was a long trial. Don't know. But they can't vote. They can have an opinion that is not legally binding as an alternate, but that's about all they can do is have an opinion. And the key word here is what was presented to them in the jury instructions. Again, the judge can block evidence that would have caught a conviction. What was presented to them? Then you've got the other part of it is jury instructions. Oh, my gosh. Attorneys can spend sometimes days haggling over jury instructions, and the judge will finally make a, um, a ruling. Okay, we'll take the defense's jury instructions at this point, and over here – we're going to take the prosecutor on this point. Um, most of the rest they've agreed upon. Jury instructions. Oh, wait a minute. Whatever happened to trial by jury and how they can disregard the uh, – how many court cases we have to cite here? The um, uh, trial in stone. The law itself is on trial just as, ma just as much as the cause to be decided. There is no penalty upon a jury, a juror for voting his conscience. So they can disregard the jury instructions. They can disregard the verbal instructions of the judge. They can disregard whatever they want to because they're a juror. Remember, there's no consequences. Case law, case law, case law. And guess what? They can do whatever they want. But if they are strictly – oh, there you, there I go again. Jury jury selection. During jury selection, I watched Vordire. I was on one of these hot seats, and they kicked me off because they know about jury notification and opened my mouth. Um, when – a trick I've seen a judge do, and I'm not happy about this. I mean, furious. The judge asks questions when you got the 12 plus the alternate. They take, the judge takes them through a list of questions. One of the questions was, if you have a conflict of conscience compared to my instructions, will you come to me for a discussion? In other words... If your conscience violates my instructions in the law, you're going to come talk to me, and I'm going to kick you off. So the judge can literally stack the jury with people who have to obey their order, and judges do this sometimes. Okay, look, you're going to follow your conscience? I don't like that. Get off the jury. Let's put an alternate in. I mean there's so much trickery here. The founding fathers would be furious, furious at the tampering in California by the judges and the games played. Why don't you present the evidence that's valid pursuant to the rules of evidence and then let the jury decide. No, you've got to tamper and control and manipulate and threaten and kick people off who don't agree with the judge's decision. I mean, it's just point blank frightening. I've watched these. I'm telling you, I've watched this happen. So that's why I'm not so sure that all the evidence was presented in a way that would freely let them vote their conscience, which could have made him guilty. So, and then the other question is, was the prosecutor doing this lamely? I mean, really lamely. You know, instead of going 100%, some attorneys 110, 120%. Yeah, yeah, was he just doing a political thing because that was politically expedient, only operating at, you know, not on all eight cylinders, but maybe six. So he's only 75% of the full effort he would normally do. I don't know. But he's got to get reelected, right, as the district attorney. 
So you just you, it just between the prosecutor, the judge, the tamperings, the games played. I'm I'm questioning the verdict. And I think you've got to also include lazy jurors who don't want to evaluate the evidence, which is what you're supposed to do if you got a conscience of any degree. Right. They may have not wanted to validate – and somebody else wrote this, not me, but the jurors may not have wanted to validate Trump's stance on immigration by issuing a guilty verdict. Therefore, they would have said not guilty and put the middle finger to Trump. I don't know. But well, if they said that publicly, <clears throat> isn't that a contempt violation? I mean, they, they, they violate they violate their oath as a juror. If if anybody heard them say that, uh, I can't imagine. If, you know. Okay. If if they they can come out it they can come out after the trial unless the judge has ordered them to shut up, but they are free to tell their perspective. Now, no, I'm saying during the if, trial, if, if they came out and said, uh, you know, if they're saying, oh, I, I'm, you know, ahead of time in, in their discussions, they could, you know, is is that a violation of their performance as a juror? If they, you know, said, oh, I don't care what the facts say, you know, I send a message out uh, for, you know, immigration and stuff like that and show Trump and I'm going to vote this way. I mean. If they said that, you know, I don't know, but I, yeah. I think that would be totally irresponsible if anybody voted, uh, okay. you know, just to make a political point. Right, right, right. Well, there's two scenarios here, during the trial and after the trial. Let's say during the trial, one of the jurors was caught saying, I'm going to vote him not guilty just to put the middle finger to Trump. Let's suppose he said that. It was caught. That's an immediate year removed, and now put an alternate juror in. Okay. That's how they deal with it during the trial. After the trial, if if a juror came out and said, oh, that was just a uh, middle finger to Trump, we were going to make him not guilty no matter what the evidence was, that is grounds for a mistrial and retry it. Bam. A juror that voted not guilty has tainted the entire case because he said this after the trial. Grounds for mistrial, throw out, do another trial. What concerns me about the deliberations, how do you come out and say he's guilty of possession of a firearm but not guilty of firing it? You know, if you're in possession of it, doesn't that mean that the responsibility is yours? So I think the the, the verdict contradicts, you know, the, the guilty verdict, I should say, contradicts the ones where they say he's not guilty. If you're possession of it, you know – you, you got to also be responsible for firing it, but they they said he wasn't, you know. And, but he was in possession of it. That that made no sense at all. Um, some of the things that happened in San Francisco make no sense either. So uh, you tell me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, well, yeah. you know, we, we talked about sessions before, so I. I there's word that he may be filing uh, federal charges, you know, that won't go into any double jeopardy stuff. But it sounds like if they do, it, it might keep him in jail for another 10 years. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, was it all 12 not guilty or was it 11 to 1? 
Somebody look that up. We'll find out. But yeah, I don't know here. myself. Can you look? Can yeah, somebody look it up? That. I'm not there? seeing can... that anywhere actually. Okay. What What was the vote? Twelve zero or eleven one or nine two? I'm sorry, nine three. Because if it was a hung jury, if it was a hung jury, then Sessions can retry it. If, if Sessions is retrying it in a federal case, then it was probably um, 11-1 or 10-2. But if it was 12 not guilty on murder, then Sessions can't try it. And Sessions should know this, and therefore he he wouldn't even try it on a federal level. Well, so, not. Not the same charge, but other charges. You know, I mean, there's there's immigration laws he can use. Uh, I think there's a federal possession uh, of a weapon. There's charges on that too, because he was found guilty of possession. So, you know, he can he can be filed on that. I think there's a few others. I remember hearing it once uh, a couple of days ago, but I I forgot what they said. But I, I think they could compile you know at least three or four charges at the federal level that. Along with his, uh, you know, state charge might keep him uh, a resident for a period of time. Well, here's another option that justice could be served at the end, assuming, okay, I'm not there, didn't see all the facts, but assuming he did kill her in cold blood. And Sessions gets him in jail in the federal uh, prison system. He's about 99% chance uh, he's going to get killed because there's lifers in federal prison that will kill people. So justice could be served that way. Um, so, yeah, it's – yeah, if anybody researched that on the uh, the verdict count with murder, I don't know if anybody's at a computer. Cindy there, Susan, or John? Uh, it sounds like a guy who – yeah, it sounds like a guy who uh, – Who defended this screwball? I'm not going to say the the killer, but the the lawyer uh, was Matt Gonzalez. It says here I'm not going to say that. I asked the, the guy's name. He's human the brain. I'm talking about the guy who, who killed Steinley. Said asshole. That's what I'm going to call him. There we go. Uh, grinned broadly and hugged his public defender. So I guess it sounds like he got a public defender. Tightly immediately after a jury acquitted him of killing a young woman. On a San Francisco pier. Look at that. These bastards in this uh, com, right? com, you piece of shit. Okay, this is by Paul Ellis. Actually, it's something they got from Paul Ellis from the Associated Press. So Paul Ellis eats shit. Excuse me, I've been allowed to say that on a bar's watch to get started. But anyway, because it pisses me off. They're, they're, they'll say the name of the guy who killed her, but they won't mention her name. You know. Anyway, it says, getting Matt Gonzalez to represent him was unquestionably a stroke of good luck for the five-time deported Mexican national. And the case, look at that. Listen what they call him, five-time deported Mexican national. Like this guy's some kind of freaking, uh, you know, guy, part of uh, an attache to uh, um, an ambassador or something. You know, and he calls the national political fires on immigration that reach all the way to the White House. Gonzalez is the top. De- now, how did this guy get this 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 mf'er for uh, a public defender? Gonzalez is a top deputy in the public defender's office, a well-respected lawyer who has argued many trials in San Francisco courtrooms, and he has deep roots in the city's powerful progressive political base. San Francisco juries are different than other juries. Yeah, no shit. 
uh, defense attorney Michael Cardoza said, Matt knows San Francisco juries. Yeah, I bet he does. Uh, biblically, probably some of them. Anyway, uh, Gonzalez has said he won eight acquittals for men facing life in prison in his first nine years with the public defender's office, a job he took after graduating from Stanford University Law School in 1991. Uh, wow, what happened to this guy? The Texas, na- Texas native took a four-year break to serve on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors and has immersed himself in the city's art and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> he was nearly elected mayor as a Green Party. Oh, God, you Green Party candidates? I might have to take away my uh, card for being a Green Party member. Anyway, in 2003, Gonzalez did not return a phone call from the Associated Press on Friday, a day after a jury found uh, asshole uh, not guilty of murder and involuntary, not even involuntary manslaughter. My pissed offness is coming out. In this last hour of our show, of course, I've been pissed the whole time. But um, seriously, not they didn't even convict him of involuntary manslaughter. What the but, hell but, was that's, that? But anyway, yeah, that's the whole thing. They convict him of possession of the gun, but after that, he's not responsible for anything that happens. Even though they convicted him of possession, the the verdict is contradictory to to the to the rule of law. Even now, not to mention the facts. You know, uh, so uh, if he's in possession of a gun, is he not responsible for what happens thereafter? You know, but uh, that's why it made no sense. It made no sense. It almost sounds like the, the verdict was intentional. It was a designed verdict, you know, to make a statement. Uh, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. And listen to this. I think Matt, is a, this is something, uh, Jeff Adashi you know, they all sound foreign, don't they? But anyway, so I knew Matt as a fearless trial lawyer who cared very much about the clients of his office, of the office. Adachi said about his hiring Gonzalez as top deputy in 2011, he treats everyone with respect, regardless of whether oh, yeah. a politician or home, or a politician or homeless. It's like, you know what? They're trying to make, what are they doing? Trying to make this Gonzalez guy, this poor homeless guy who accidentally found a gun. And then accidentally went off and killed somebody, and now he's the world of controversy. Yeah, get off of it. These people piss me off. Um, but, you know, gosh, I tell you what. You, you wait and see. This Gonzalez guy is now within six months. You wait and see. He's going to be opening a private practice, or somebody's going to hire him and give him five times what he's making in the public defender's office. So he may have had selfish motives for this, too. Oh, well, yeah. here, here's something. So, so here's something defender. interesting. Yeah, how we... Okay, here, here, here's there's always two sides to a story, as my mother tells me. Here's what the alternative uh, juror wrote, uh, supporting the jury's uh, decision. Um, there are some facts that were laid out to us. Zarat had no motive and no recorded history of violence. The shot he fired from his chair hit the ground 12 feet in front of him before ricocheting it further 78 feet to hit Steinle. The damage to the bullet indicated a glancing impact during the ricochet, so it seems to have been shot from a lower height. The gun, a Sig Sauer P-239 pistol, is a backup emergency weapon used by law enforcement that has a light trigger mode and no safety. The jury members asked to fill the trigger pull of the gun during deliberation, but the judge wouldn't allow it for reasons that aren't clear to us. Now, mm-hmm. Judge Janine mentioned that the Sig Sauger 239 has a very heavy trigger pull. It's designed to have a heavy 
trigger pull so that if you drop it, it doesn't go off. And so there I'm mentioning the judge tampering. Um, again, the jur jury members asked to feel the trigger pull of the gun during deliberation, but the judge wouldn't allow it for reasons that aren't clear to them. And there you go. The judge. Yeah, it, it sounds like if the trigger don't fit, you must have quit. You know, so that's yeah. probably what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm still looking for the, was it 11-1, was it 12-0, was it 10-2? Was it um, uh, yeah, but see, the, given, the fact remains it should have been negligent homicide because they agreed he was in possession of the gun. Once you're in possession right, of the least, gun, yeah, what happens thereafter? Yeah. Responsibility. Yeah, so the involuntary manslaughter charge that the jury was read included two key requirements. One, a crime was committed in the act that caused death. Two, the defendant acted with criminal negligence. He he did something that an ordinary person would have known was likely to lead to someone's death. Well, hello. That's a pretty obvious uh you know, manslaughter. I mean you got first degree, second degree, third degree in California is manslaughter. They weren't even doing this. Uh, wow. and, and speaking of that, I'm looking at the time. Unfortunately, we only got about three minutes before I have to close things out. Uh, so, unfortunately, man, I, yeah, it, it can go fast. Uh, but let's go ahead. And, you know, fortunately, it's time for me to do closing comments. Each, each of you guys got a couple minutes uh, for that. And so let's go ahead, and, and Kelly, we'll continue with you uh, to do that with the closing comments. And then uh, with uh, you, Thomas, and, uh, and then I'll have to close things out. Go ahead, Kelly. So it sounds to me I can go to San Francisco, sit on a chair with a, uh, what's it called, SIG Power, whatever gun that was. I can sit on a chair and say Governor Jerry Brown is on the pier. I can shoot uh, the pier. It'll ricochet up and kill the governor, and I can get away with it. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> and you know if I did that I of course I'd be convicted of manslaughter. Come on. Except this guy you outside know, of the country. Yeah, the Sig Sig Sauer is what it's called. Sig Sauer P thirty nine. And of course in that trial, um all the jurors will get to feel how heavy the Sig Sauer is. <laughs> when, if I accidentally accidentally manslaughtered the governor. I mean come on guys. Not even manslaughter. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm just. Hey, come on, guys. It's preposterous, right? <clears throat> Go ahead, Thomas. Okay, well, I, I just want to say I appreciate that you gave me the opportunity to come out here and and give some of these uh, historical incidents to the public so they can decide what's right and what's wrong for America. But, you know, there was an old uh, TV ad years ago where they used to say, an educated consumer is our best customer. I like to relate that ad by saying, an educated American is our best citizen. And that's what we need to do. We need to start educating ourselves. Don't take at face value what the media tells you or what other people do. Research it yourself. Learn what's really going on in America, and then you have to decide. You want you want this country to continue to live, or you want it to collapse into a, a tsunami of a socialism? Because that's what we're going to get. And you know how the axiom is: you know, uh, you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. So, America, wake up, educate yourself. 
And thanks again for letting me on the air. Oh, any time, Thomas. You're always welcome. And, of course, you too, Kelly. And uh, other folks, uh, for the folks who uh, did stay for the remainder of the show as well, uh, you know, hopefully we'll uh, get you to, to chime in sometimes. It's, it's great to hear from, from everybody. But I do appreciate you being with us and also would appreciate uh, taking a link out uh, for the podcast tonight and uh, sharing it out amongst your friends. Uh, the, the show is also available for free download here on Blog Talk Radio as well as on iTunes. Uh, so you're welcome to download uh, the podcast to your mobile devices. You will be able to uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, now, again, I will not be with us uh, tomorrow or next week. <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, next week I'll be uh, out at dinner, but hopefully I'll have uh, a good report from that, perhaps maybe even some audio or at least uh, perhaps I can try to get a, a, uh, to uh, getting interviewed. Uh, on the show uh, for, you know, just, of course, the gubernatorial race as well as other issues uh, that have more national, of course, uh, implications because this show is heard nationally. Actually, I could say the show has been heard internationally before because, remember, uh, Kelly, a couple of times we've had uh, someone call in from England uh, before, and if I could just get some people calling from Ireland, that would just really uh, make it awesome for me. But anyway, uh, I'll have to close up tonight, as I do every night. And that is the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Thanks again, folks. Uh, We will see you next time, uh, keeping up uh, with information for the grassroots. Take care and good good night. Good night, folks. Real quick, uh, oh, you know what, John, are you still with us? No, I lost John. I was going to give John the opportunity to uh, chime in. I apologize for that, John, uh, for the closing comments. Gosh, I'm terrible. Uh, Well, sorry about that, folks. Uh, Sorry, John. Thank you.